historians will mark the end of one era and mark the beginning of another. T-E-T-Z. The end times continue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the End Times Continue recording on this, the 21st of May. Man, seems like time goes by so fast. I love, by the way, I, I, I don't say this very often, but every mm-hmm. time our intro music plays, I like dance to it. I love our intro music. I'm sorry. Oh, I, you, you do know, a little jig? I do. Uh, I'm Dino and you are. I'm sorry. I totally forgot that. And I am Ace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, I just I'm, I'm just imagining you like because um, I don't know if people know this about you, but you don't you stand while you record? I do. Yes, yes, I stand okay. at my desk. So this, you, so this gives you a full range of motion to kind of like you know boogie out to the intro music. Well, uh, I mean, yes, if I were capable of 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 doing anything even remotely looking that like looked like dancing. Um, it ends up being just like a, uh, just like a seizure. Yeah, right. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a somewhat noticeable hip sway and small arm pumps. I look like I'm doing okay, Jane yeah. Fonda workouts. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really bad, but I do enjoy it. I love our music. Yeah. No, it's great. Um, okay. So you, well, let me ask, how have you been mm-hmm. lately? Oh, I've been very good. How about you? Oh, I've been all right. Uh, just got done drafting a contract of sorts, and uh, I'm I'm very cool. Yes, yes. Uh, they, I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll talk about the particulars later on. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a nice relaxing day. Um, yeah, the temperature up here is actually really nice now. Um, I'm sure it'll, it'll like turn very co- cold shortly, uh, which will be awful. But right now, it's a very pleasant day. So oh, it got it's much. it's been getting horrifically hot here. I I hate oh, it. Yeah, and I'm wearing a suit a lot more often now too. So oh right, yeah, is, that's gotta that's gotta suck. It is yeah. not. I will tell you what though. I will say this, and I encourage all men to do this actually. <sighs> When you go out, if you're going to spend any appreciable amount of time out in public, mm-hmm. okay, even if it's like a relaxed weekend day or whatever, you're just going to be out. I encourage you to wear at least a button down and a jacket. Even if it's with your jeans and stuff like that, whatever, I encourage people to wear at least a button down and a jacket, and I'll tell you why. Nobody fucking cares what you do. Oh, yeah. Nobody gives you a second look. Nobody gives a shit. Right. Nobody like you can you can be walking around like nobody's checking you like, you know, I've I've noticed depending on what I'm wearing out. I've noticed people will like look at me like like they're suspicious. Right. And here's the problem. And also I carry a gun. And also, why would you? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And also the P the, the theoretical people who do care about that. Why would you want to care about their opinions anyway? Right. 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 You know what I mean? Right. But it's one of those things that like, if you're, if you're interested in just being overlooked, right. Uh huh. Just wear that. It's a, it is like a uniform for like, Oh no, I'm a, I'm a respectable guy. Don't, don't even look at me twice. Right. Don't don't right. Don't, yeah. don't look at me with any level of suspicion. Don't even. It's a. It is yeah. the. It is a perfect sort of blending in type thing. At least where I am, people don't. Uh, people mm-hmm. don't. People do not care about your existence if you're wearing a button down right. or a jacket with your jeans. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I like that kind of anonymity. Um, so that's, I, I do, I do suggest people do that, but it does get hot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially when you wear a vest like I do. I wear a vest with my, I, all my suits are three pieces with maybe two exceptions. So yeah, it's, it can be a bit of an issue, but um, you posted on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You said, well, yes. first you, you got a hold of me. Shocking, said, hey. I know. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was amazed. Um, you, <laughs> you got a hold of me and you said, hey, uh, I want to do an AMA thing. And I said, yeah, uh, sounds good. And so you posted on Twitter and you said, it's AMA time. We're doing an AMA thing. Mm-hmm. Post your questions below. And we got a lot of questions. <laughs> we did. We did. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously we appreciate all the questions. Some of them are really deep philosophical questions. Yeah, too, yeah. Is, it's uh, a nice mix. Cool. It's a nice mix of like lighthearted, you know, personal yeah. opinion type stuff and yeah. a and some really, really hard questions. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and I, I really appreciate that, um, that there's that sort of breadth of stuff mm-hmm. discussed. Um, yep. So. Uh, I, I, I was just kind of thinking we'd get into it. Um, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wherever, you know, you pick the first one, whichever one you want to pick first. Um, okay. So let's start with, let's start with one that's, let's start with one. That's a lighthearted one. How about that? Okay. Um, Jackalope, uh, who is great. Jackalope writer one on Twitter. Um, yep. Overrated, underrated, favorite, and least favorite ice cream flavors. Oh man. Oh god. Okay. Overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. Okay. Um oof. I go back and forth on this so much about what my favorite ask me what my favorite <laughs> ice cream is is like really, really hard actually. Yeah. Um Oh god. I as a kid, I actually um, really loved, um, I, and I, I don't eat ice cream a lot. I haven't ate ice cream a lot recently, but as a kid, I used to eat pralines and cream a lot. I don't know if you've ever had pralines oh, and cream. Oh, yes. No, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, I, I just love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, fantastic flavor. Um, least favorite? <sighs> okay. This is going to probably cause... Um, uh, some drama here, maybe. I do not like mint chocolate chip ice cream. Dude, me at fucking all. neither. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I don't. It's not. Oh it's not good. No, I it's don't like it. And here's the thing: I like I like mint and chocolate together. I don't like it in ice cream. That's the, that's I don't know why. Like I, you know, like some of the like little candies that have mint, a little bit of mint and chocolate. I think they're fine. I, they're not my favorite, but I think they're fine. Right. I do not like it in ice cream whatsoever. Nope, me um, either. I'm with you on that. Yeah. In fact, that might be my answer for overrated is mint chocolate chip. Yeah, I hate like doubling up, but I do think my least favorite is an overrated one. So I am going to say mint chocolate chip is an overrated one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, what, what, what about an underrated flavor? Underrated. Um. You know, I. To be honest, I I think it might be like uh, and this might also cause controversy. I don't think like people meme on this uh, flavor a lot, but I honestly don't think con candy is that bad. I like con candy really? or bubblegum ice cream. I don't think it's that bad. I don't um, hate bubblegum, but I don't like cotton candy. 
Okay, I I find they're like I don't think they're the best ice cream, but I think they're not as bad as people say they are. Okay. Um, well, another one for me might. Uh, yeah, yeah. Another one for me might be like um, uh, French vanilla. I love French vanilla, and I bro, think a lot of people kind bro, of overlook it. Underrated. My answer for underrated is vanilla. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. Like 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 a like a French a vanilla bean. Oh man. Yeah, vanilla bean. Yeah. Oh. If you, if you don't like vanilla bean ice cream, you've never had it on a cobbler. Like, oh. it's, yeah. it is so fucking good. Vanilla is the most underrated flavor of ice cream. Yeah. No, for real. It's always slept on, but it, it's good. It's yes. just good. People use it as a, as, people use it to mean boring. It's such a good flavor, though. It's so intense. Like, it's, yeah. ugh. <laughs> I don't, I don't appreciate the way people talk about it. <laughs> if I get a milkshake, it's probably vanilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of a chocolate milkshake. In fact, I'm going to say overrated. I think mint chocolate chip is probably overrated. My favorite, though. Mm -hmm. uh, Now I'm thinking about my underrated one. It could be (laughs) because here's the thing. It's a cheat. It's not technically ice cream specifically, Mm -hmm. but an orange sherbet. Oh, dude. Yeah. Is under fucking rated, dude. Yeah. I Absolutely. love that shit. Um, anyway, my, my, f- my favorite is probably... Okay. <clears throat> Have you ever had the sweet cream ice cream from, from uh, Cold Stone? No. Dude, sweet cream is Ooh. maybe the best ice cream flavor. It is, Ooh, okay. it is yeah, I've so never, good. Never had this. It's kind of huh. like vanilla in that people's initial thought of it is that it's boring, but it's like, oh man, it's good. <laughs> it's really good. And then least favorite, oh god, least favorite. What ice cream do I not? Like? I don't like strawberry ice cream. Really? I don't. Oh my god! Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I really like. I mean, I'm, I won't turn my nose up at any ice cream. But if but if someone mm-hmm. offers me strawberry, there's a little bit more disappointment in there than other feelings. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like I don't I don't like strawberry ice cream. Um, it's just not. I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate artificial strawberry flavor, I think, is part of it. Oh, okay, okay. I really hate that flavoring. Um, and so a strawberry okay. ice cream with real strawberries in it might actually be good. But the, the strawberry oh, yeah, ice no, cream you well, usually get, eh. Most of the, okay, so maybe this is just like a, a difference in like um, experiences, but most strawberry ice cream I've ever gone has been with real strawberries in it, like cut up. See, uh, most, so of, maybe that most of it that I've seen is artificially flavored. And I just don't okay. like it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's that one. NCR, uh, NCR Anarchist asked us to do chicken wings too. Um, I can do, I can do that one quick. Overrated Buffalo. Uh, underrated is probably one of the like lemon based ones. One of the really acidic ones. Underrated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite is garlic Parmesan. Least favorite also Buffalo. Ooh, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with the garlic one. I think garlic, the garlic Parmesan, I've had it before. It's, it's really good. Um, 
Yeah, I do think I, I was. I almost wanted to like get into a fight about the buffalo, <laughs> but, but I think now you've kind. Of, I, I think you're kind of right. Where it's just like I don't hate buffalo, obviously, but I do think it's sort of overrated. I never a little pick bit. It. I uh, never pick. It's it. just there's so many other. There's a lot of really other good options there that it's just like kind of like I don't hate it, but it's just like I'm not. I you know I'm probably going to go for something else. Yes. Also, uh, I do not care if boneless wings are technically nuggets. I will always order boneless wings because by weight, it's more meat. Yeah, no, me too. I I know I'm uh, that is heretical in certain circles on the Internet to say, but I am a boneless wing person. Oh, yeah. um, Oh, yeah. I don't care if that makes me a child. Um, They are great. And I will be remain a child. Yes, Uh, (laughs) the exact same way. It's more like also, I mean, just like it's more meat by weight. There's no like you don't yeah. because this is this is the same reason that I will generally order a I also, steak. I also have this autistic food thing about getting food on my fingers that drives me up the wall. Oh, really? Um, and that's another. Re- yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, man, I don't I don't mind eating a little messily. I, I don't have a problem with mm. food. Yeah, I, I so for usually I prefer boneless just because it's uh it, it is more convenient and as you said it get more meat per like you know yeah. per strip. Yes, so, yeah. I, I have a I have a I have a strong preference for that. What about you? What, what's your what, what's what's a question you would like to answer? Um. Ooh. Okay. Um. Okay, well, we actually, since we're on the topic of food here, we can uh, keep going with it a little bit. Steve, uh, spider underscore library on Twitter. Uh, shout out, Steve. Uh, corn or fl- uh, flour tortillas? Um, ah, for Okay, this is actually, uh, there's multiple questions in the post, but I'll start with this one. Um, I know this may be controversial. Um, I don't have a strong opinion here, truthfully. Um, I am really either or on this. Um, it depends to me on what it is I'm eating. Street tacos, small street tacos, corn. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. burrito, flour. Flour. Yep. That's, I, I, I would agree with that reasoning. Yeah. 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 And I don't know I, why. I, I think it's just I, a preference. I just, I probably, as, as far as what I order more or like what I eat, um, what is served to me, um, probably f- flour tortillas edge out a bit. Um, but I don't mind corn either. Yeah. Uh, corn tortillas. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that's probably my answer for that. Um, are, and then he asks, are bread and butter pickles a nap violation? Well, if they are, they're great. They're fantastic. Um, uh, I would say um, on a hamburger, yes. Wait, they are, they're a nap violation on a hamburger? Yes. On a hamburger, yes. Bread and butter pickles are a nap violation. <laughs> no. <laughs> With a Reuben, that's a gift. Um, bread and yeah, butter versus am, dill pickles depends entirely upon the accompanying food yeah i i i, I sort of agree with that but i'm also like a pin uh like kind of like a pickle snob or not snob students no i'm the opposite of a snob i don't know why i said that i'm a pickle connoisseur where i enjoy all pickles um, i see I enjoy them everywhere. In fact, uh, pickles are my love language. If you, if someone loves me, you send me, you'll send me a jar of pickles. Um, that's how I'll know. I'm, I'm, um, I'm very excited when I come across a new brand of like small batch pickles. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I get to try someone's new pickle. Oh, great pickle with a. Oh, it's in a, it's in the container I've, and it's got, you, onion, uh, and it's got a little bit of garlic in there with it, and a, and some sprigs of dill that are just in there with the pickle. Oh, it's so good. 
I once tried, um, oh God, what is it? It, it was uh, pickles, but in fruit juice. Um, really? Yes. Oh, and uh, they were they were god awful. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I did not. I did not like them. What kind not of like fruit juice was it? I honestly, I think it was Kool Aid. Oh no, that would suck. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like a that's like a hacky sweet pickle <laughs> kind of thing. Um, yes. No, I, was, I wouldn't go with that. But imagine it though, like you get a really good a really good pickle in like an apple juice. Something yeah, with a that little bit of good. tartness yeah, to that, it. I, I think. Yeah, I think that could be good. Yeah, because it kind of like complements the pickle more. Right. Than, right. Uh, yeah. Kool Aid, though, no, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that would be uh, terrible. Uh, Steve's next uh, follow-up question, and this seems completely directed and targeted at me. Uh, he already knows the answer to this, and he's asking <laughs> anyway. Uh, are tater tots hash browns? Uh, yes, Steve, they are. And anyone who tells you otherwise is a heretic. Yes, it's a bite-sized hash brown. I don't understand why this yeah. is controversial. It's just. Yeah, no, it, it shouldn't. <laughs> now, here's the uh, thing. And, Cheddar yeah. or American cheese on tots? That's a question. Oh, man. I'm American all day, I, man. A sonic, t- a sonic cheese tot is just the best. Yeah, I, I go back and forth. I'm you, So I used to eat American cheese all the time. I, I become more of a cheddar person usually, but uh, I, I don't really have too much of a strong opinion one way or the other. Uh, to on me, that one. whether I use American or cheddar, because I like a nice sharp cheddar, whether mm-hmm. I use American or cheddar yeah. depends on the level of garbage I'm eating. So if I'm, oh, eating, sure. <laughs> if I'm eating a tater tot from Sonic, I want American cheese on it. This is this uh-huh, is sure. garbage I'm putting in my mouth, and I want it to be garbage. Right. Um, right. Exactly. Yes. Uh, if I'm making myself a nice burger, I'm putting sharp cheddar on there. Maybe even some Swiss. Like I'm I'm doing something with the cheese that's like yeah, interesting. If I'm making myself a burger, absolutely. No, that makes that, that yeah, that's a good philosophy for that. That makes sense. <laughs> if it's trash, put American cheese on it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, why haven't we done a five-hour podcast yet? You know, I we will eventually, I think, is the answer to that. Probably um, so. You know, I always heard if your podcast yeah. lasts longer than five hours, you have to call a doctor. Right, exactly. That's, that's what I've heard, too. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I actually like his next question on there. Yeah, I, I really yeah. am. Uh, I'm you, interested go ahead and read his next question. Um, it's other than Bitcoin and 3D printed GATs, what do you see as the biggest technological gains for liberty? Oh, man. Um, I, 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 my legitimate answer to this is encryption generally. Yeah, I, I was going to say cryptography. Yeah. 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 Cryptography yeah. is one of those things that, like, and, and it's provable too, but like, like journalists in. Or, or uh, not just journalists, but but general people that are in living under incredibly repressive regimes find a way to the public internet and to get their stories out there and to get the truth out there through cryptography. It really is. Yeah. It's it's literally it's how the internet is free. Is cryptography. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and also, we can see this because what does the state usually attack when they go after this, right? They attack, what do they attack besides Bitcoin and 3D printed guns? They attack cryptography. Yeah. So I think that several should, attempts that, in the last few years. Yeah. So I, I think for it's easily cryptography for sure. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, you know, you you could cheat and say the Internet in general, but that's sort of like a wider generalization of all the things you already listed, like Bitcoin and 3D printed GAT. So it's sort of like, you know, within it's the a, space it's of a, the Internet, it's cryptography. Yeah. It's a very general answer because it applies to a lot of things, but it's mm-hmm. I, I think it is the answer. Yeah, for absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Um, I actually he he asked uh, while we're on Steve's questions, he asked another one um, mm-hmm. specific to myself and Lady Jane. Do we have any plans yep. to get a real lawyer dog? um uh, i would say yes yes i would like i would like a lawyer dog you have to have it in like the front office you know like when people come in to greet them yeah and so when someone says i want my lawyer dog they're referring to my dog (laughs) yes (laughs) absolutely attorney and and that's what they're asking for yeah, that okay. So people who don't might not know uh, what that's referencing. Uh, there was a, a guy who asked. He said, "I want my lawyer, dog." And, and the, their excuse for not giving him his lawyer was that they thought they or that no, not that they thought they said. Well, we thought he was asking for a lawyer, dog. Yeah, a dog that was a lawyer. Yeah, a dog that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, it was. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, I just got one. Okay, so I have a deep and abiding love of working animals. Okay, mm-hmm. um, even if they're just pets, a sheep dog I think is a higher quality dog than like a dachshund, or a dachshund is a working animal too. They're a rat dog. Um, a uh, mm-hmm. I, I should say like a like a, any other dog that's a layabout dog, right? Just mm-hmm. a layabout a chihuahua, right? Layabout mm-hmm. dog. I think a sheepdog is a better dog. They tend to be more intelligent. They tend to be, they have a purpose. They'll, they'll, they just run around the backyard and they try to herd things like it's a weird innate thing. Um, I have a love of working animals. And I just got a question from Lady Jane. Is a horse a pet or a working animal? A horse is a working animal. I think a horse is a working animal. I have a great love of horses, great respect for horses. That's a working animal. Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think it, I think it is a working animal. Um, I, I think it, it all depends on like. Well, I was gonna say like it obviously depends on like, you know, may, are there some people who have horses just as pets and not for work? Sure, I'm sure that I'm sure somewhere they do. Yes, uh, but in general, I'd say they're probably working animals. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, even even a even a working animal that is that that, that is just kept as a pet, I respect as a, more just because it's like because they're always trying to work. If you've ever watched a sheepdog like <laughs> run around, um, th- like they're constantly trying to like herd things. Uh-huh. They yeah. want to work. It's so it's so uh-huh. I love them. I just love watching them because they're very smart and they just really want to work. And I don't know why that mm-hmm. appeals to me so much. It's probably some innate unhealthy relationship with work, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, do you have another one? Uh I think that was uh, was I that mean, all the food ones? I think that was all the food ones. I think that was all the food ones if we're going to stay on topic of food. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. Yep, it was. Okay. Uh, oh, this could be another, uh, another food one. Um, uh, Libertarian Neko, Rachel Blackfire asks, thoughts on porgs? Uh, how are you cooking them? Oh, hmm. <laughs> huh. I, 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 I probably I, baked. Yeah, right. <laughs> Rotisserie porg. Um, yeah. I don't mind porgs. They're fine. Porgs are fine. 
Yeah. There, you know, there's on, on one hand, you know, you always have this. Oh, you know, there's the real cynical view, which you can take, which is like, oh, boy, here we go again. Here goes Star Wars making another, you know, cute animal to sell to children. Oh, it's absolutely uh, designed to true. be plushy. Oh, it's a yeah, which is it's, supposed to it's be absolutely true, but that yeah. doesn't mean you have to find them objectionable. You well, know what I mean? Star it's, Wars it, has like, you don't always have to... been an overly yeah. merchandised brand. I mean, that's that's not anything new. Do you know how George Lucas made his money uh, because he got the rights to the toy sales? Like he got yeah. commission from toy sales, and at the time, toy sale toys really didn't sell like they do now. Uh, at the time, so when when they were like talking about the rights or who got commission for toy sales, they were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, whatever. Here you go, George, whatever." Yeah. And Lucas, he, he made an empire off of this. Yeah. <laughs> Lucasfilm can keep merchandising. Twentieth Century Fox gets everything else, and um, yep. the merchandising was the better the better end of that deal surprising everyone (laughs) um it's always been heavily merchandised as a a, a, but one of the thing that that's that one of the things that makes that sort of interesting with star wars in particular is that it adds there's always something in the world that is kind of interesting and weird because they want to sell a toy of it um right i think it i think it actually helps the world building i don't think it hinders it um oh it absolutely does i mean like for example right um ewoks are probably one of the most well-known um uh you know creatures in star wars that everyone thinks of when they think about like a, a cute creature in star wars or some notable one but uh ewok was never even said in return of the jedi that no. word that term was never said people no. know of that because of other outside media yet everyone knows what an ewok is when yep. you talk to people that's then when you say ewok they immediately know what it is despite it never actually the name never actually being spoken in the film yep exactly exactly um Okay, I'm sorry. I picked one. Uh, you pick one now. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, while we're doing Rachel's questions, we can uh, keep doing uh, Rachel Blackfire, Libertarian, uh, Neko. Um, thoughts on unschooling, Montessori, peaceful parenting, and youth liberation. Um, for people who don't know, Montessori is kind of this idea that this, it's almost like this like back-to-nature type thing where um, parents promote um, natural interests or like natural learning in children as opposed to like more of like a strict curriculum. Self-directed yeah, learning. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. Um, so peaceful parenting, youth liberation. Um, so, yeah, uh, we can kind of take these one by one uh, kind of uh, a little bit um, unschooling. So unschooling obviously is um, for, for me, for people who don't know, unschooling is this idea that you're kind of like it's on the belief that the state programs certain things into children uh, that the parents may not want. And there's certain things that the parents want to kind of like almost deprogram out of their children. Right. Yes. That's sort of like a, a technical way to explain it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm perfectly fine with that. I see that um, as a necessity. You know, uh, yes, uh, it's, absolutely. And it's not just the state either. There was a, I can I can give a personal account of this. My my brother at one time, because of where my mom was working, she was working at a private school that was a particular Christian denomination, and so they were teaching a lot of things that my parents, who were not part of that denomination, did not agree with, and so they had yeah. to actively sort of correct my brother's misconceptions or what they saw as misconceptions with regard to. Mm-hmm. Uh, faith and religion and things like that um because they had all these rules and all this other stuff that my parents really didn't agree with my that my parents didn't see as part of the gospel um and so they they had to sort of try and correct that i I think it's absolutely a necessity if 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 wherever your children's education is coming from is counter to your values you have to try and correct that 
Yeah, I mean, if you don't believe in that, then at some point you're sort of saying whether the school system, whether public or private, should have like a monopoly on yes. on like your children's development, sort of. Um, so I think that, yeah, as you said, I think that's absolutely necessary and perfectly fine. Um, uh, you know, Montessori, like getting children to pursue their own interests uh, rather than like a strict curriculum and, you know, kind of like these natural activities. I think that's fine. I, not just fine. I think it's good. In fact, um, I think it's good, especially for younger kids. Yes. Um, especially I, I, for some, younger kids. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, I, I think everyone can benefit from like basics, like, you know, very basic, like reading, arithmetic, things like that. Yes. Sure. But as far as like the the structure in which the state and not just the state, but also just schooling in general, un, uh, you know, can kind of like put children into like these boxes and kind of like um, mold them into what they believe will be a good student uh, can kind of like really just crush the souls of children. Um, if you in fact, if you go right now and, and this is probably one of the most depressing things you can do and um, um, if you go into Google, right, just go into the Google search bar and type in uh, school makes me type in those words and let the autofill uh, fill in the rest. Yeah, and those will be the top search results. Um, the, the things that it autofills will be the top search results, uh, mostly by children who have typed this in. Um, and it's like very depressing. It's like school makes me sad. School makes me depressed. School makes me suicidal. Yeah. Uh, school makes me feel dumb. You know, all this stuff. Um, and I, I really think like in the future, we're going to like, hopefully we'll, people will look back and think how horrible, like a lot of like the schooling norms. Were, yes. Uh, yes. The, the Prussian model is not a, is not an effective method of teaching kids at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. well, it's an effective method of making wage slips, well, which is what it was want- designed to do. Right. If you want good workers and soldiers, it seems to be very effective exactly. uh, at doing that. But, you know, um, if you care about, like, the dignity of human beings, it's uh, it's kind of like a, a moral wrong. <laughs> um, yes. In my view. Yeah. So, yeah. that Yeah. Um, peaceful parenting. I'm, I'm generally for this. Uh, I, I think this is, uh, uh, you know, very good. I think this is one of the um, better things that Stefan Molyneux, uh, when he was uh, not insane, uh, like promoted. Yeah. Um, and I think he he deserves, you know, give the devil his due. I think he deserves credit for like kind of bringing this into like the consciousness of libertarians more. I agree. I agree. Uh, youth liberation. Uh, this is actually an interesting one. Um, so Rothbard um, specifically has a piece. I think it's in Ethics of Liberty. It's a chapter in Ethics of Liberty. I want to say it's like chapter 13 or 14 in Ethics of Liberty. I could be wrong on that, where he deals with this specifically. Um this is also Rothbard's most uh, problematic article or his problematic chapter in that entire book, because that's the same chapter. He actually argues that it's legal to starve your child, but we're not, I'm not going to tackle that. <laughs> on this episode. Um, I think Rothbard's wrong, not just because that gives me the ick, but also because I think that is there's other libertarian arguments against that. Um, uh, yeah, but there's there's major, major problems with that position. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that go, yeah, but there, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but nevertheless, he also deals with the idea of youth liberation. And and Rothbard's argument is that, you know, like, when does the child um, when can we regard them as a self owner? Um, This is a very complicated topic, not just for libertarians, but for like just any society or any, you know, any time in history, any time you're thinking about this, this is not an easy question to answer. So there is some like difficulty in like coming to like a definitive conclusion here. So I just want to preface that, but Rothbard's argument, and I, I'm not entirely sold on it, but I just want to present his, what he he said here. Um, His argument was essentially that 
if the child can leave, he Rothbard believed that the child could actually leave home and seek new parents, uh, like as a right the child had. So if the if he if the child felt he was being abused or something, the child could actually go and seek new guardians. Um, he also felt that if um, um, if the child left home and was able to make it on their own, then they should legally be treated as a self owner. Um, so that was sort of Rothbard's answer for that. I'm not into. I go back and forth on this. I'm not entirely sure I agree or disagree with it. Uh, but that was his perspective. Um, that makes and I'm sense. not. Yeah, I'm yeah. not confident necessarily in in my conclusion. So there's a lot of like you know I, I'm confident on like okay well obviously I think an 18 year old in most cases uh, you know assuming general mental stability uh, is a self owner um, obviously and but when I say this I, I children are all never fully owned by their parents I want to make that clear I'm never saying that children yes. are fully owned by their parents because yeah. if that was the case. If that was the case, then under libertarian norms of what we mean by ownership, parents could do horrendous things to their children. Whatever they wanted. Whatever Um, they wanted. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, Whatever they wanted. So so obviously we don't support that. uh, But there's also a case of like a, a way to frame it is like we believe that children's rights are sort of in escrow. They're they're kind of like away from them at a point not that their parents have rights or like own them in a certain sense but they're their guardian their trustee sort of right yes it's a that's that's actually i wanted to kind of get to that point right there there's a there's -hmm. an interesting thing um i want to be before i say anything i have my own disclaimer um Mm -hmm. i want to be very explicit about what we're talking about when we say youth liberation, because there are yes, two yes, sort there's of a lot schools. of different things. Yeah. yeah, there are two sort of schools of youth of youth liberation. One of which I tend to think is accurate, and and I would agree with, and the other is that kids uh, should have all of their rights from th- th- when they can probably feed themselves. I would think would be the line, um, and that's insane. So t- to mm-hmm. me, the the this is something I've thought about a whole whole lot. And you, what you were saying with the trustee thing is exactly on point. Guardians mm-hmm. are uh, parents. Guardians are trustees of their child's rights. This is why a parent is responsible if their child assaults someone. The child doesn't have to pay restitution. The parent does. Why? Because the mm-hmm. parent is responsible for the child. Um, and, and, and as as a result, they are on the hook for that. Uh, you know, conversely, or or by that same token, I guess the the parent has the right to control the child's actions. Um, and and they must, they must. Otherwise, they could not be held responsible if the child assaults someone or something like that. Um, and so to me, there's a. Have you read? And I'm sure you have read it, but I don't know if you remember this this particular part. So in Locke's, I think it's in the second treatise. Mm-hmm. When he's discussing government authority and he's trying to define it, mm-hmm. he does so by contrasting it with what he calls paternal authority and or, oh, or yes. parental authority. Yes. And the relationship that people have with their parents or should have. And his position is that parental authority weakens over time until the child is in fact a peer of the parent. Mm-hmm. Right. And and they may be a respected peer. They may be respected such that the child seeks counsel from them or whatever, but, but they're ultimately they are a peer. It's another adult. Um, 
and they and you cannot control them any longer. That to me has always made the most sense with regard to this idea of like what what rights should kids have? Well, rights are drip fed to kids over their life and and mm-hmm. until they are adults and I mean, that's kind of dependent on where the kid is. It's sort of individualized yeah. to them to a certain extent. Right. We can make broad sweeping statements, right? We can we can make broad sort of things, you know, a, a kid of this age range and I think, can't consent to sex or whatever. And it's like, yeah, obviously right. not. Uh, right. You know, but yeah. but as far as like the nitty gritty, like what rights do they have at what times? That's kind of individual to the kid. Yeah, I think that's, that's also like Rothbard is right. I think that's also what Rothbard's getting at, and Rothbard is essentially saying that they become adults when they act like it, uh, sort of right. Like uh, right, he's yeah. saying, like, well, if they can, uh, yeah, you know, his arguments. Well, if they can leave home and support themselves, then they're essentially an adult. Now, I do think um, one thing about this, uh, specifically on the consent issue, this is interesting. Um, my argument is actually like someone. You can be a self-owner and also not be able to consent at certain times. And, oh, I, I um, agree with so, that. Um, it, it requires a certain amount of knowledge, and kids are stupid. Right, so, yes. like, the, so, lacking the knowledge to give informed consent undermines consent, conceptually. Yeah. Like, if you were, like, just, like, and I don't mean, like, when I say drunk, I don't mean just, like, you, you know, you took a few, you've had a few beers. I mean, you were, like, almost blackout drunk. You cannot function properly. Um, I would argue you can't have informed consent in that in that state. No, nor not. if you're, like, nor if, like, let's say you're sleeping and someone, like, wakes you up out of a deep sleep and you're, like, you know, in that, in that headspace where you're just out of it and they ask you a question and you answer it even if you don't really understand what's being asked of you or something, you know, in, in that type of scenario. I don't think that's informed consent either. So, right. you know, there's, but yet nevertheless, we still own our bodies uh, during this time. Like it'd be, it would be wrong for someone to encroach into our personal boundaries. Even, you know, you know what I mean? Like yes. that. Now you can, uh, you can protect the person. Obviously that I don't think that's objectionable, uh, but you can't, you can't, it would be wrong to like, you know, say that, well, be, if they can't consent, then that means that they're not self owners. I, I think that's just a, a, a non sequitur. I don't think it follows. Um, yes, I, I would agree with that. The, the, to yeah. me, the, but the youth liberation people who are just like, kids should have all the rights at all the times. It's like, nah, no, they shouldn't. Cause they're not, they're, <laughs> right. they, you, I mean, that's how that's, that's, that's bad parenting. Like definitionally. Um, mm-hmm. and that was one of the actual, that was one of the things about like the, the peaceful parenting and, and Montessori and all that other stuff that kind of ties into this is this idea that. Yes, I, I, I think that at base, these ideas are good. Um, mm-hmm. I think their implementation can be very, very bad, depending on the parent. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Because you also have to have an eye toward, can your kid function? Like, in society, are you raising them to be a self-reliant uh, adult who can function? Mm-hmm. That's right. part of your job as a parent. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I think there are a lot of parents who lose sight of that in the urge to with the urge to raise their kids to be free. They mm-hmm. do not teach their kids that. Yes, yeah, sometimes you got to deal with shit, though. Like sometimes there's there's shit you just got to do sometimes. <laughs> 
Right. That that is, yes, socially imposed and usually doesn't make any sense, but you got to go with it anyway because it's the only way to get where you want to be. Um, I right. feel that way about the... An excellent example is the bar exam. If you want to be a licensed attorney, you got to take the bar exam. Does it measure what they claim it measures? That is readiness for practice? No, it does not. It Does it measure right. how aware you are of the law? No, it does not. It measures how well you can memorize what's going to be on the bar exam. But right. you still have to eat that shit in order to get your license and get where you're going. <laughs> yes. And so I, I think kids need to be aware of that, too. You know what I mean? And I think, I think mm-hmm. failing to make kids aware of that is, is how you get a certain level of entitlement in people mm-hmm. and, and, and sure. general assholery and bad behavior. Yes. Um, so I, 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 while I think these things are broadly good things with, you know, the, the exception of the, the type of youth, youth liberation I, dis- I disagree with, um, mm-hmm. While I think these things are good things, I think they can be very, very poorly executed. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I do want to say one thing, uh, you know, it pro- I think props to Rothbard on this because he I, I think he's especially radical and correct on this point um, is the idea that like an abused child has the right to seek new guardians. I for absolutely or agree uh, with that. That is very radical. Uh, it's a very radical position and it shouldn't be, but it is. Um, and I think that's I, I, I think he's completely correct. Yes, I, I, I tend I would I would tend to agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No question. Um, that's an interesting question. I like that one quite a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. Uh, oh, um, Jackalope Ryder uh, also had another question. Uh, this is really interesting. Um, uh, he says, um. What are some depictions of anarchism or libertarianism in media that you think are good portrayals of anarchism and libertarianism? Ah, uh, yeah, I saw that in there, and there were a couple of responses to that that I liked as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah, what do you think? Okay, so I there's a okay, so the obvious one, the easiest one, I think most people would probably answer with is the moon is a harsh mistress. Um, this is by far, I think, the most explicit case. And, you know, so, you know, you, you can say a lot of things about like explicit political like um, allegory and stuff like that. But I, I think um, it's also a, just a good story in general. But I think the moon is a harsh mistress is probably one of the better portrayals of anarchism and libertarianism as far as like, you know, a positive display. Um Another one that I think, uh, you know, there might, might be some kind. Con- I don't think there should be controversy with this, but who knows? Um, I actually think um, the Shire in the Lord of the Rings is a fantastic display. Yeah, of, it really uh, is. Of like, like in Anna. So so in, in Tolkien's uh, work, right, the Shire does have like a mayor of sorts. But he really has no political power. He sort of just presides over like feasts and things like that, like banquets in the Shire. Um, it, it, it very, the, the, the hobbits in the Shire very much do uh, like orchestrate themselves into a very like libertarian framework or something that could fit very easily within a libertarian or anarchist framework. I, I yeah. think it, I think it is an example that most definitely fits 
Um, and, and Tolkien himself was very favorable to anarchism too. So I, I, you know, and mind you, uh, Tolkien hated allegory. So I'm not saying he did this as an allegory, as a specific. See, haha, this is what this really means. Uh, but I think that sure, he he was certainly saw that as an idyllic sort of like life, something that would be aspirational. Yeah, I mean, it, it's supposed to be uh, given the stories, both The Hobbit and um, and the actual Lord of the Rings trilogy. Part of the arc of that story is leaving the idyllic in order to take on this duty or take on this adventure or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Leaving that safe idyllic place and going out into the world is part of the arc of those stories. And so it, it sort of yep. needs to be in a narrative sense. It needs to be idyllic in the way that you say. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some other examples are just generalities, I'd say. I think most Western stories, you can find examples of like uh, anarchic, um, anarchic uh, sort of like formations, not all of them. And maybe not all of them have in a positive light. But I think there's certainly like any type of like outsiders on a frontier escaping like the law, whether that be for, you know, virtuous reasons or not. I think you could class that up as a a display of anarchic. um, To your point, um, uh... To your point, I agree with you. To your point, Anargeco brings up Black Sails. Um, oh, right. Which is a, 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 it's a pirate story, but it's, it's yes. you know, what you just said. People on the frontier uh, trying to stay away from the law. And it's, a, it's an interesting one, too, because pirates from the golden age of piracy, right? This sort of mythical mm-hmm. time, but it... It's weird how much of it's mythical and how much of it. No, that actually happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but those those guys were originally initially privateers. They were under the employ of the crown. Mm-hmm. And so there's an interesting sort of thing of like what what happens when you when you sort of lose the authority the state gave you to make decisions like that or do things that you were doing. And what what happens when you just say no? I'm I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing this. Like mm-hmm. it's an interesting right. sort of idea. It's, it's also why I think sci-fi is a uh, works as a genre so well. And you also often see a lot of libertarian themes in sci-fi is because you have this frontier, right? In almost every sci-fi, uh, almost every sci-fi work uh, of fiction that I've ever read has some type of like element of escaping to the frontier of space or something like that to escape like the legal uh, structure that they find themselves in or something, yeah, something like that. So uh, I, I think that, yeah, well, that's uh, Dark Anulis brings up uh, the Belters from the Expanse. Um, oh, Expanse, yes, Leviathan yes. Wakes. Uh, that's also yep. an, an interesting example. I'm not sure how libertarian it is, but right, it is a yeah. very interesting example of that mentality. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because there's a the the or the political organization on the in the belt is is an interesting one. Um, Mm-hmm. But it's 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 I wouldn't say it's strictly anarchic. It's not. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how libertarian it is, but it is interesting as as sort of a. There is very little government out there, and yeah. the, also, the way that people behave is a, is a very interesting sort of study of that. Mm hmm. There's also um, I, I've never read this work, but I've been I've been recommended by a few people. It's it's more of like a kind of like a left anarchist work where, where it's like anarcho syndicalist. But uh, the novel The Dispossessed it came out in the seventies. It's sort of like a sci fi novel, from what I understand. Um, that supposedly has a fairly uh, positive light of like an anarcho syndicalist kind of like um, um, reading there. So if that's something someone's interested in, that's also something that maybe you could check out. Those are great answers. Those are all great yeah. answers to that. 
Um, let's see. Is there another question that is sort of maybe related to that? Oh, I, I did want to get to this one. Um, uh, Liquid Zulu uh, says, why don't you post a show on YouTube? Uh, it's a lot of work to run a YouTube channel, man. Even if you just <laughs> upload yeah. stuff there, it's it's a lot to get it set up. And also, and, you know, getting it, also the possibility of it getting struck down and having to go through YouTube's, you know, a uh, whole, you know, shit show of like arbitrating whether, oh, was this justified? Was this unjustified to un- take this video down? Who knows? We'll get back to you in, a, you know, weeks. Right, exactly. And just the sheer amount of time that it takes to, even if you're just tying audio to like a blank picture or whatever, the which I couldn't right. do. I don't know if I could justify that. I would have to put a waveform or something on it, and then you'd be dealing with export times for that. It's just a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, like if the, like if people uh, like watching like audio content on YouTube, you know, more power to them. I'm not you know shaming that or anything. But I, I don't usually listen to podcasts on YouTube. Usually, like if I'm if I'm listening to I something on YouTube, it also has a video portion of it I as well. I think it's more the convenience of the player. Like everyone has that source available. You know what I mean? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. So I get it, but it's also man, it's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's why it's not of any particular desire not to, or any hate of YouTube. It's just, it's a lot to export video and I couldn't do just a solid picture. I would, I would want to put a waveform or something to it. Mm-hmm. Then I gotta, I gotta spend time exporting that and getting everything posted at the same time. And it's just, oh mm-hmm. man, it's a lot. Um, there was a question that actually uh, really uh, stuck out to me. Um, um, uh, NCR anarchist, uh, asked, um, what are your most successful methods for reaching out and connecting with people that either view you as a political or social adversary or otherwise seem to be mutually opposed to others' beliefs? Um, an example for he and he goes on to say an example for me would be shared interests like sports or games. So this is a very good question. It really is. Um, uh, I, now, I, w- I want to preface what I'm about to say here because I when you're asking what is the best way to like connect with people and to get them to like to kind of see your point of view. I want to preface this by saying, I don't think you should do what I'm about to say in order for them to get you to, to get them to change their mind because I, that it'll just come across as very dishonest. Yeah, it is. it's not um, but, but I think not just don't be an asshole to them and try to like not come across as if you're uh, you know trying to sell them something you know what i mean like for example if it, let's take an analogy like this if someone comes up to your door and they knock on your door and it's like oh hey that's your friend from next door and he's asking you know he you know he has a question about something or he wants to talk you know that's a much less adversarial interaction than if some you know person who you don't know comes up to you and starts trying to sell you a product Right. Um, I don't know how other people are as far as how they uh, deal with this. But whenever I have someone uh, come up to me and they're immediately trying to sell me a product, I'm immediately skeptical. Uh, maybe even if I shouldn't be, I'm immediately skeptical of oh, them yeah. because I'm like, hmm, what are you? OK, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm kind of like lasering in on everything they do. It's like, hmm, why are you tr- saying that? Well, you know, or, you know, just uh, that sort of thing. So. I think just like if you if you really the people like most people, right, they don't it's not like, you know, here if we were all just computers or something and just looking at like pure logic or something, uh, we could convince people much easier. 
uh, you know, but also it's the fact that people are much more receptive when they don't feel like you are a threat, which obviously goes to your question, but it's just to like come across as not threatening, right? People are very on guard politically. Like for example, if you're on the left or the right and you hear some piece of rhetoric uh, that tra- that like identifies itself sort of as right rhetoric or left rhetoric, that kind of like determines how you're going to respond for most people. Yeah. But when, but when you come at a place where, Hey, I'm just a person here and I don't hate you. Um, I, you know, I, I, this is just what I believe because I have a moral conviction for this. Um, and I'm not tied to like the right or the left, really. This is just what I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people are going to be much more receptive. And truthfully, if you just like, if you're just their friend or you're just, you know, uh, if you're not doing this with the intention of, oh, I'm going to act friendly in order to try to get them to, you know, uh, believe what I believe, that's just dishonest. Don't do that. You know, that's, that's, uh, it, it, I think it's better for you not to interact at all, in fact. Yes. Uh, than do I, that. I would agree um, with that. But to me, um, it seems if, if your purpose, if what your goal is, right, if, if what you're trying to get out of a relationship is just a human connection, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think I think you're right. I think ultimately it's just don't be a dick. Just be just be yeah. a bro. Just be a guy. Just just yeah. don't be an asshole. Um, just be a good dude. This is very it's very hard for people who are terminally online. And I say this is someone who's online a lot, but I oh, don't yeah. consider myself terminally online because, uh, you know, I don't think every single like, you know, you know, you know, the types where it's like uh, the people who are like, oh, every right winger is a Nazi who's trying to like lynch uh, black people at every chance they get, you know, yes. or something like that. Or some or some right winger who thinks that, oh, those, you know, those trans people are around every corner trying to molest your child. You know, those are very online people. Uh, they get their entire news and, and you know opinions practically or their cultural opinions through online outrage uh yes yes uh, right uh as long as you're not one that don't as long as you're not really you don't fall into that it's actually fairly easy to have interactions with people who don't agree with you uh, as long as you do not come across as a complete psycho and uh, i know for a lot of people maybe a person would say well anarchist beliefs are really psychotic to most people and okay that can be true but there's a difference between people thinking the beliefs themselves are psycho and you're a psycho uh, you yeah know? right like uh you don't have to come across as a psycho, even if you, you have believed things that other people might think are really out there and strange. Uh, so, yeah, just don't be a dick. Don't be insane. Yes. Um, if the purpose, though, to me, if, if the purpose is to develop a political connection with the person, mm-hmm. if, if the purpose is that you 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 maybe you want to talk to this person because you think they're smart, but they disagree with you on stuff or mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Um, but if the purpose is the political sort of connection between like where, wherever you happen to differ, um, I I would say you have to exemplify your values. If your, if your, if your values are good values and you actually believe that they are good values that will come through in your behavior and the way that you are with that person. So yes, if the purpose is to have the political connection, to have them understand your politics better or for you to understand theirs, whatever it may be, um, exemplify your values right exactly like um for example right for a lot of people um a lot of language becomes right what we call coded right so like if if you're a left winger or a right winger and you hear a certain piece of rhetoric 
um, if you just read it, read like what they're saying in a purely clinical sense without any type of like ulterior motives behind it, it might sound just fine. Right. Oh, like, yo, Patriot Act, you know, you know, that type of stuff. Right. right. <laughs> but it's uh, but in reality, uh, both people on the left and the right are trained to recognize certain terminology as uh, nefarious, even if clinically speaking, it's not on paper. Um, you and as you said, exemplifying your values shows that you are authentically believing what you're saying and you're not trying to like dog whistle yeah i agree with that um okay this is an interesting one that's kind of in a similar vein uh questions about libertarianism and anarchism uh this is from the lost oddity uh on twitter questions about oh, yeah. uh libertarianism and anarchism um one views on argumentation ethics mm-hmm uh, that's the first one, actually. So let's just let's okay. just take that real quick. <laughs> one at a time. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I can give a little quick rundown on what argumentation ethics is for people who are not yes, that please. familiar with it. So argumentation ethics is a it's an ethical framework proposed by Hans Hermann Hoppe, um, and his it's it's a way to kind of justify libertarian property norms. Um, because Hoppe is essentially not exactly satisfied with a purely natural law uh, position, and this is kind of his framework for justifying it. So Hoppe says that whenever we're, whenever there's a conflict over a scarce resource, a, a physical item, a, a thing that has we cannot inter, both interact with, with um, in the same way without coming into contradiction, right? Conflicting uses. Um, in order to resolve this dispute, um, we can either there's two options, right? We can just try to hit so, hit each other over the head with it, but that's not actually like justifying who is the legitimate owner. That's just hitting someone over the head, right? So you, yes. you can't claim to be justifying that. Um, uh, so just so for Hoppe, justification um, expresses itself in argumentation, and for Hoppe, um, what he's saying is that when we're when, in the while we're debating, like if we're, if we're in an argue, if we're having a discussion, we are presupposing certain norms in the in the debate itself without even explicitly doing so. The fact um, that the fact that you're utilizing debate instead of violence presupposes certain ethical realities. That's correct. That at least at the very least for the in the act of trying to justify it, you are exactly you're presupposing certain norms, certain norms that, for example, I am treating you as a person and you are speaking freely and I am, a you know, you are treating me as a person and I am speaking freely. Uh, you know, we, we kind of have um, you and I, we both have this um, kind of, uh, you know, this pause on aggression for the moment, at least uh, where we are trying to discuss um, uh, the outcome and, and in doing so, um, we are, as you said, you were presupposing for Apple, we are sort of presupposing this self ownership, this I have the I have the legitimate claim over my body and uh, you have the legitimate claim over your body. Because if this wasn't the case, why would you bother kind of arguing with me in the first place? Uh, um so you you there is certain like presuppositions for Hoppe uh, that he feels. Um now my thoughts on this personally is that I'm not entirely sold on argumentation ethics. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, there's a couple reasons why um, for me. Now, I think it's I think it's a, it's a good try sounds demeaning. I don't want to say good try, but it, I think it's 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 laudable um, uh, what he's done here. Um, but one of the problems for me is I, I some people and other people have critiqued it for this reason too. Is that if this is this may be true. 
during the argument itself, but does it really show any type of libertarian like rights in a form of like stickiness like this does this norm like exist past the argument itself because when the argument ends the alternative reason is that violence is risky and engaging in violence is a risky behavior it is easier if you can convince someone to give up whatever scarce resource it is you're arguing about it's easier if you can convince them or or a third party whose authority they have ceded uh, their claim to it's easier if you can convince them than try to kill them. Um, it's just a less risky path to the same outcome. And should it fail, uh, you, you could still just kill them. Like that's well, yeah, the, I, the alternative. Right. I will for for Hoppe though. He, I, I think I do. I, he, Hoppe would say that it doesn't matter whether they believe it or not in the argument. He's saying that like whether they believe in it or not is is like irrelevant. He would say that. Um, it just in the process of arguing, they're implicitly uh, um, like abiding by these norms, even if they don't acknowledge them. Right, um, right. I, I agree with that. But I, I, I think the, the what you were describing, though, in terms of the stickiness of it is like, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, it only applies while they're in the argument. Should that fail, um, one party may attack the other violently. And, and then from whence do you get the norm that that's the wrong thing to do? Right. You know, now, I, I think mean? for if if you're if you believe that argumentation can, if you can only justify something in by argumentation, then I do think it holds, right? Because then there'd be no other way you could justify any other norm, and yes. that's what Hoppe says, yes. right? So Hoppe says that well, um, no other norm could be justified. Now, there's two ways to look at the word when when you say the word nothing else could be justified. There's two ways to look at that. There's like an active and passive sense, right? Um, to say there's nothing else could be justified is to say that there is someone who is trying to make an argument as to why this is justified. But it could also be the case, theoretically, that something is justified, regardless of if it is ever argued or not. Yes. Um, yeah, like yeah. prior in, in to a, the argumentation. That yeah. in, in sort of like, you know, an abstract, almost like um, Platonist sense that some, this thing exists prior to any argument ever taking place is so, sort of like, you know, I, I think the Rand would, Ayn Rand would call it like a free floating abstraction, which she would criticize. But, you know, something like that, for example, sure. uh, where, you know, it's possible that this could be uh, this could just, you know, an action could be wrong prior to it ever being argumentatively justified. Now, I think what, what Hoppe would say, though. Is that logically speaking, uh, uh, you were you were kind of like putting if you were arguing that um, if you're arguing something counter to the norms of the debate, you were engaged in a performative contradiction. Um, this is probably, I think, his the his claim that I'm the most skeptical of. I I think they're a hypocrite. I don't know if they're necessarily performing a, a self-performative contradiction, right? Um, for, for people who don't know, a performative contradiction would be like if I write on a piece of paper and I, I read it and I say, you were not reading this piece of paper <laughs> or you were not reading words on this piece of paper. That's right. a performative contradiction. Um, uh, it, it, it's not necessarily, at least to me, and, and I could be very wrong on this. It just seems to me that they'd be hypocrites, not that they'd be, you know, actively contradicting themselves necessarily. It seems all it points to functionally is that one of the two things is false and or a lie and not necessarily that that has any greater sort of implication. Um, mm-hmm. 
like you said, is, is mere hypocrisy doesn't have to mean they truly believe one thing or the other. It's just the existence of the hypocrisy is its own sort of uh, indicia right. that they are lying, but not necessarily mm-hmm. what they're lying about. Like which right. side of it is the falsity is not determined by that. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's it's an interesting. I I don't have a problem with argumentation ethics as a right. as a sort of as an argument. I, I really I have and, disagreements with it, but to me, I see it as a secondary way of getting to the same place I get with natural law theory in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like. I mean, yeah, I, I disagree with some aspects of it. I think there are certain flaws to it, um, but that doesn't mean I like hate it. I don't think it causes harm. Right. I just, I just it, don't yeah. think it's quite right. <laughs> and truthfully, I think Hoppe is on the right track in the fact that I think there is a, a strong connection between ethics and linguistics. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. Well, it's one of the strongest points of blank. Yeah, this, the concept of language itself is a collaborative effort. I think that there, you, I, I'm very perceptible to that there is a strong ethical implication by the concept of language itself. Yes. Um, that is something I'm very open to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a second part of that question was, is the U.S. the worst state to ever exist or one of the better ones? I, I think the answer to that is pretty plainly no. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not. No, yeah, no. So. Uh, Short answer, no. Um, long answer, longer answer, I should say. Um, we have to separate state and society, right? So there's a lot of great things about American society that I think are fantastic. If we're just going on the state, it's pretty horrible, but it's not the worst state to ever exist. I don't know. No, I, no, I would no. say it's like, I would you know, say probably I, I, not even close. Um, As far as like breaking the top five, no way. Um, I mean, I think it might have the worst capacity of all states yes. to ever exist. No, as far I agree as with that. could the United could the United States end all human life on Earth tomorrow? Yeah, they could, um, and justify it absolutely. to themselves in the process. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah um, for sure. But no, I, I I think you know, obvi- like obviously, you know, uh, you know, Nazi Germany, the USSR, you know, communist China, uh, North Korea, all these places. I think you know take the easiest top slot of worst sure. uh, states on earth ever sure um, I, I think there's an argument to be made that the united states also there's two kind of angles to it is it domestically horrible or is it or is it horrible in a in a in the sense of the way it right. treats other people right like outsiders yeah. and i mean um, it's a spectrum too right because it's like there's a certain degree where it is very horrible people uh domestically uh but it's also extremely horrible uh to people outside of its borders yes as well yes uh, I, like like domestically there are some shitty fucking things that happen in the united states domestically a lot of them a very long yes. list we haven't had a holocaust though right like, and, uh, yeah oh, domestically sorry, yeah no yeah and, and i mean that's not to uh, like understate the horrible like mass death that the United no. States has caused overseas, right? Just because we don't think it's the worst state, it's one of the worst states to ever exist, um, doesn't mean that they are not blood-soaked monsters and awful. They absolutely um, are. They yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. are. If, if yeah. we're if we're placing it on a spectrum, though, I, I it's not the worst. It's uh, no. I don't think it's one of the better ones either. I, 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 I yeah, I, no, I agree. I think yeah, 
I, I think, you know, uh, and this is, this kind of like is going to come down, I think, to like what people's personal like it, I respect the people a lot more who would who say I would just if, if I had to choose a state, I'd rather just choose like some Nordic country that has like a welfare state but doesn't have like a military murdering people across the country, across right. the world. I respect that. So I, I think, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it, it's going to come down to like what your personal ali- value alignment is, really. But right. I think, you know. Uh, I, I think you could say like some Nordic countries are much better than the United States in terms of a lot of things. But also, you know, gun, gun ownership is one big thing the United States has that yeah. really like puts it above other countries. With that said, sure, uh, I, I would say I would say it's hard to argue that the government that if we're just talking about the state, um, I would argue that it's hard to I, I would say it's hard to mm-hmm. argue that the government that dropped the nuclear bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki is one of the better governments to ever exist. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, I would yeah. I would also say that it's hard to argue that the government which um the government which uh ensures that all defendants are provided with legal counsel in in the case of of their uh detention and and being accused of a crime is one of the worst governments to ever exist. Does that make sense? Right. There's a lot of yes, there's a lot of way if you can imagine how much worse things could be than they are now, it's a probably good indication that it's not really one of the worst uh right. states ever exist. Right. Uh, I say it could be I'd much say it's worse pretty than pretty firmly now. in the middle. It just depends on what exactly you're concerned with. Yeah. Um and there were general questions, uh, philosophical questions following those, also from the Lost Oddity. Uh views on Eastern versus Western philosophies. Ooh, which ones one. in particular because right. there's there's a pretty broad range of of philosophies yes. in, in both i would say there's in fact the, the range is so broad on both sides of that that you could say that certain western <laughs> philosophies are very very similar more similar to certain eastern philosophies than they are different um yeah. I, I think i may and i could be wrong this could be just me reading into the question but i i almost am reading this as almost like a continental versus analytical philosophy uh, argument right yeah so, yeah um uh and that's not continental isn't necessarily like completely eastern uh like it, it, you know it, it gets messy defining like where the borders of you know continental and analytic philosophy exist because there, there's no real like definitive borders so it's it, you know it, it's uh very like abstract but um um i as far as like i i've I personally respect uh, a lot of like Eastern philosophy. I do. Um, I do too. Yeah. I, uh, Taoism, uh, in particular, is, I I I very much uh, enjoy. I very much enjoy reading a, a Taoist uh, or a Taoist, depending on how you want to uh, what what term you want to use. But um, I very much reading uh, philosophy like that. But it's also like I, I do tend towards more analytical Western philosophy usually, yes. and that's much of, like much of libertarianism is Western analytical. philosophy philosophy um I uh, but i do respect I, 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 no i i agree with you i think there's certain i think any philosophical system sufficiently matured has something to offer yes yeah. um like there's a there's there's a lot of stuff for example there's a uh zen buddhism did a lot for me I, i've never been a zen buddhist necessarily but some of the some of the ideas and and uh, positions espoused by Zen Buddhists did change my perspective on a lot of stuff and helped me quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and this is yeah, and this is just a generalization. But oftentimes, Eastern religion I find, or not religion, sorry, Eastern philosophy I find um, t- 
tends to focus more on um, how you as a human relate to nature. Yes. In the world around you. And Western philosophy is almost it almost has like this. Uh, uh, and again, I'm pointing out one Western philosopher, but it almost has this Kantian like discovering what the thing is in itself type of view. That's like analytic philosophy. Right. Right. A lot. Right. So it's kind of like very differing type of things. And that's a broad generalization. You could pick it apart in many different ways. But I generally find Eastern philosophy is like how how is it best like for humans to live within nature? And, you know, that sort of that sort of role, like our like how you relate to the external world and how, you know, is there an external world really, uh, you know, is it a hard or soft divide between you and the external? Right. Um, things like that. Um, and, and Western philosophy is very much, uh, you know, uh, more autistic yeah, a little yeah, bit. Very, very concrete it's, thinking. Yeah. 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 Or, or well, like, yeah, very much like, okay, well, how like you know uh, well I, I think it's abstract and concrete both at the same time where it's like you know very like um okay well you know what is the thing in itself right like what right. Uh, you know th- these types of things that don't have any, we we really can't come to any definitive conclusion but it's fun to talk about forever yes um so yeah, I, I think I think both are good. I you know I I don't think all of them are necessarily contradictory. I think some of them can complement each other very well. I, I think if you take Zen Buddhism with uh, the sort of existentialist absurd, the concept of the existential absurd, mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of familiarity between those two thought processes. Oh yes. Um, and so it's it's one of those things that's just like that. I, I think any any philosophical system that's sufficiently mature and has had enough thought put into it is going to have something to offer, um, it, regardless of you know where where it came from or or who came up with it. I think there's definitely something there. If it's again sufficient, if sufficient thought's been put into it, I think there's probably going to be something there to glean from it, even if it's something mm-hmm. small. Yeah. Um. And there was a, uh, another one, a uh, favorite philosopher you disagree with. I, I already know the answer to this one. Uh, Slavoj Zizek. This is yeah, an easy one for me. That's not, that's not a bad answer. Yeah. That's uh, not a bad answer. <laughs> oh, uh, one who's I hilarious. Know. I want to pick the easy route and go Rousseau because I've read the most Rousseau. <laughs> but... Um, I also could go the easy route and pick Hobbes, mm. but it's I, I. But that's also kind of a, a lineage of thought, Hobbes. Yeah, but so. Hobbes never walked down uh, the streets eating two hot dogs at the same time. That's you? true. Uh, <laughs> it's probably in that vein. It's probably someone in the yeah. Hobbesian Rousseauian vein that that would be mm-hmm. one of those two. I would say okay. is my favorite that I disagree with, and yeah. and favorite in the sense that like. These people are obviously intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, Hobbes, I think, was spectacularly smart. the the mm-hmm. amount of The amount of logic and rationalism that he applied to things that he had no fucking clue about, even though he came to the wrong conclusions, he thought a mm-hmm. lot, and he uh-huh. he was very smart in his thinking. He just didn't have all the information necessary to come to correct conclusions. Um, right. So I, I I I something like that. Yeah, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. What? What's uh? What's you pick one now? 
Because I picked that one, it was very long. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Okay, this will actually, I, I think uh, this one, the next one will actually dovetail uh, quite a bit. So, um, another thing, this is uh, from Joshua Sparrow. Um, um, another thing I've been curious about, actually, is your perspective on animal rights and the animal liberation movement more broadly. Um, so, yeah, that, okay. Uh, do you want to actually have your go go first, or do you want me to? I can, um, because I have I've thought about this a little bit. I think there are people who go toward animal rights from libertarianism, mm-hmm. and those people I think are remarkably consistent people. Um, I think they're just kind of overzealous because I think there is a distinction between sapience and 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 animal life. That is that right. is. That that call that calls that sort of application of human rights to animals into question, um, but I, I will say they're remarkably consistent, and and there is uh, I I can't fault them for that. Um, yeah. but as far as like animal liberation and stuff like that, I don't harming animals for the sake of uh, let's I'll just put it this way: to harm an animal for the sake of harming an animal is sociopathic. Yes, absolutely. To harm an animal as a tool, right, I think mm-hmm. is justifiable. Um, I, I, think you can use, I think you can use animal life as a tool uh, for human prosperity and it not be an ethical problem. Um, but I, I think there has to be a purpose to it. Because if you're going to cause pain to a being that can feel pain, you have to be able to justify that in some way to me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just be just from a, and this is, this is pure consequentialist thinking. If you're going to cause pain to something, you have to be able to justify it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think animals have human rights. I don't, I, I think you, you are within your rights to do whatever the hell you want to an animal. I think it's wrong for, for different mm-hmm. reasons and, and sociopathic to cause pain to an animal for the sake of causing pain to an animal. Yes. I'm yeah. sorry. Now you continue. Right. <laughs> now you go. Okay. No, 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 that was good. Um, yeah, I, so yeah, in general, uh, my short answer is I don't think animals by the virtue of them being animals. Have rights. Um, again, this is what you were saying about like, there's a difference between sentience and sapience. Yes. Um, so that distinction is very important, I think. Um, but now, uh, so Rothbard, I actually also tackled this where, um, Rothbard was like, he, he was open to the idea that animals could have rights. But there's been no demonstration that they do uh, or that they can show it in any way or that, you know, and, and I think a big part of this, you know, going back to what we were saying about like argumentation ethics is actually language. Um, you know, th- there's they they've never really there's never been, you know, an appeal for them to have. Right. That animals ha- doesn't seem that they've appealed to have rights, but that doesn't mean, you know, they don't. So I just want I don't want to make a philosophical blunder here by saying that. Sure. But um I, I do think that um, uh, my so my answer is no by the quality of just them being animals no but I do think I am open to the possibility that there are certain certain animals some very small selection of them certain animals that could rise to the level or have be more intelligent or sapient than we initially thought um, that's possible. maybe. Like, um, you know, there's uh, certain um, studies into like sperm whales and, you know, things like that uh, that seem to have actually a very um, 
a diverse dialect actually when they're um communicating yeah um that could imply something uh you know about like their mental states uh as opposed to other animals um and i uh so i i think that you know I'm open to the possibility that certain animals you could make a, a, a you know a plausible case that certain animals could have certain rights. Um, but the, uh, but as Rothbard said again, they'd have to respect our rights too, or the whole game's off. Uh, right. So yeah, uh, you know uh, that sort of thing. But but again, yeah, I, I, I in general no, but I'm open to the possibility that certain animals could be more sapient than others in the, in what we think. Um, and I don't think that like like as far as right like, categories go, I don't think that um, humans have rights just because we call ourselves humans or because we are human. I think there are certain characteristics within humans that give us uh, that allow us um, these rights. Right. Um, and I, I think that if other like if an alien species that had those same characteristics uh, like came down to Earth or something uh, from a spaceship, I, th- I would argue that they would have rights. Too. They would have. Yes, um, they would have those same rights. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, that ties into another question. It does. Yeah. From Anchor. Um, yep. I need to scroll to it. I, I, I have it right here. If you want oh, me to okay. Read it. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's from Anchor. Uh, the Turing test uh, being of dubious value. What criteria for an AI uh, and design, architecture, performance, uh, emergent behavior, etc.? Um, would convince you that's a genuine rights-bearing entity? Um, this is a wonderful question. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a... Okay, uh-huh. so the, the Turing test is a is a test yeah. that is designed... It was thought of... It was, it's the brainchild of Alan Turing. But it's... Yeah. Uh, it is supposed to use a human evaluator to determine whether... Um, to determine whether the uh the 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 natural language computation or the natural language conversation held by a computer made it sentient mm-hmm. uh basically there's a there's other stuff and there's been offshoots of this too um but the idea is that if the if the human evaluator can't tell the difference between the machine and the human the machine passes the test and it, it, it at least has some level of sentience. Um, uh, the Turing test is, uh, called into question by the way that natural language processing has developed. Yes. Um, uh, because it ends up being very, very good at imitating a human response to a question. And exactly. So I, are you familiar with John Searle's, um, um, thought experiment, the the Chinese room? I'm not. Okay. So John Searle is a philosopher and he is um, arguing against a specific type of philosophy known as a strong AI or functionalism. Functionalism is the belief that um, our brains are hardware and our mind is the software that emerges from the hardware in specific orchestrations. And that if you can orchestrate things in even a non-organic way, it can produce like a mental states, essentially. Um, That's kind of like you can make a mind. You can make a mind, even if it's like non-organic or through yes. non-natural like orchestrations. So 
Uh, John Searle uh, came up with this thought experiment, and it, you know, as all philosophical philosophical thought experiments, it's 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 contested. But I, I do want to, uh, I do sort of share this strain of thought. So, uh, the Chinese room thought experiment is: let's say you have a person in a box, right, or in a room, or something like that, and there's a slot which people on the outside can feed things into the inside. So you have one person inside the room. He doesn't speak in a single word of Chinese. He's ne- let's even posit he's never seen a Chinese letter in his life. Um, okay. At all. <clears throat> okay. Now the people on the outside do speak Chinese. Um, and when they, they, they will pass him uh, Chinese letters, right. Um, into the room. And he doesn't know what these are. He's never seen them in his life. They're just symbols uh, to him. Um, he doesn't know what they mean. He doesn't know anything. But along with the the, the letters themselves, um, he also gets an instruction manual of sorts, a, a kind of a formula that will tell him in English what to do uh, with these specific symbols and where to orchestrate them. Like if you see a symbol here, you place it next to this symbol, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So he can learn the, the man in the room can learn certain things about them. He can learn their formal structure, right? He can learn their shape, their size, their relation, uh, qua their relation to other things, uh, other letters uh, in, in the Chinese uh, like word. Right. Um, and so given that he has the formula, he can kind of orchestrate them in ways. And he can when he passes it back out. The form he has responded to the person outside who in reality asked him a question in Chinese and he responded in Chinese, even though the man in the room didn't know a single word of word of Chinese or understand what it meant. The formula autopiloted the response for him. Um, And this is to say that computers understand syntax. They don't understand semantics. Yes, that makes that makes perfect sense. Right. So. As far as like a computer, uh, like it is, it can relate. And this is like, you know, the original Turing machine uh, with ones and zeros, right? It did. The, the Turing machine didn't know what a one or a zero was conceptually or abstractly. I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, but uh, 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 it was just able to understand the formal structure, the syntax of them and have rules based on what it did, what, it, what would happen when it met one of those. Uh, specific like a yes. one or a zero like what it's would a, happen it's an um, interesting there's there to that point i've i've described the way that natural language processing and ai has developed thus far as being um these are systems that are designed to approximate a human answer to your questions yes they are not designed correct. to give you the correct answer right and and if you were to ask them a question that required them to think they would approximate what a human might say as a response, but they do right. not think. Yeah. So in my, from my own perspective, um, I, I believe that I don't think AI, at, at least at the moment, um, I don't think it's thinking. I don't think it has mental states. I don't think it has qualia. I don't think it has experience. Um, I think it has a certain directive and a certain like determined predetermined input response to certain, um, you know, inputs that it encounters. Right. Um, and that's ultimately like what I see as what AIs ultimately are founded on now. Now to ultimately tackle the question though, like what would I have to see that would make me convinced that it would be a rights bearing entity? Um, so I do think that 
so it's very hard, right? Because I, I do think we'll get to a point actually where I do think AI will be able to fully imitate a human completely. Yes, hundred percent. I agree. And I think it's going to be like a very big philosophical debate. It already has been, but it'll be continued to be a very big philosophical debate on, you know, uh, how is it lying to us? How do we know it's lying to us? Uh, how do we know it? You know, if an AI says it's sentient, uh, you know, do we do we really have a reason to believe it's sentient, even though it's acting like a human? Um, now, given that, I do think there are certain like tips or like uh, you know things that uh, could tip us off to maybe there's something more going on here than we could think. So while I'm skeptical, I'm still open to the possibility that maybe a machine could think possibly. To me, possibly. a big, a big in step a, in the in that direction to me would be something like mm-hmm. this. Um, and this is this is flawed. I'm I'm aware this is flawed, but I, I, this would this would sh- sort of affect the way I think about it. Um, if I could, if I could feed an AI a few suppositions, if I could feed it a few mm-hmm. statements of fact, and ask it, what do these facts imply taken together? Mm-hmm. And it could come up with a response independent of any training data or whatever else, if it could come up with a response that is not a mere approximation of what a human might say, Uh but instead a response that implies it has taken in the facts and thought about them and come to a reasoned conclusion about what those facts might imply then um, I, it would change, it would certainly affect the way I thought about it. I'm not sure if it would convince me that it's sentient. I, don't, I think that's a bit much, but it, uh, those wheels would definitely start turning for me. Yeah, it would, for me, yeah, something like that, I think that's a great answer. I think something like that. Um, I also think, like, if, if, it, if you gave, if the AI had some type of emergent behavior where it wasn't explicitly programmed to do a certain task, but essentially learned to do it on its own, or even more so, not, because, you know, you can, an AI can learn the things now um, that it doesn't, like, it, that's not explicitly, explicitly programmed into it. But what I'm talking about more is that if you had an AI, let's say, um, and it could run a, a program uh, let's say, let's say, in fact, uh, you, you know, if you had an AI, but it was able to play uh, certain like uh, it was able to stream video or something or, or play music or something. If the AI was like in a test environment or something and it just started listening to Bach or Beethoven, uh, you know, right. Just <laughs> or something like that when it wasn't programmed. Yeah. When it wasn't programmed to, I would start to think that the, and it wasn't explicitly programmed to do this. Um, I would start to think, hmm. That's weird. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Just something like that. Some type of emergent behavior like that. Something that it's done for its own sake and not done to like, um, you know, uh, for some other programmed end. Well, it's one of the like major that. problems with this conversation that people are having now is that they, they see these models as if they could develop into their own thing. But the problem with the models is that they're throwing all of the training data they possibly can at it. And yes. And so it's 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 fucking kitchen sink man everything right is going into this into this uh model and so there to me in order to convince me you would have to have much tighter control over the training data that goes into it and, and enough that you could convince me that again if you were to feed it a few facts 
even facts that are backed up by its training data, by information in its training data. But if you could feed it a few facts and it could come to an independent conclusion that is not in the training data, mm-hmm. um, then that, that to me is part of what would make it more convincing. The problem with it right now is that you can't really make it do that um, because everything's in the training data. Everything is there. Uh, and yes, so it's, exactly. It's right. very difficult to it, tell. It muddies the water. Yeah. It's really difficult to tell what's and what's a quote unquote original thought from the AI, which they're not having right, right now. I think that's pretty plain. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, or what's just somewhere in the data that it was trained on. Yeah, yeah. So while I'm while I'm still like very skeptical, and I, I do think it would take like some type of emergent behavior like that to sort of convince me that there's more going on than I originally thought. I I am I do want to be humble here for and say. I don't really know like how the brain creates mental states truthfully. Like I you can oh, you can sure. give me an you can give me like a specific you know argument that well we know that the this mental state is correlated with this part of the brain but nothing really in in you know science or neurology uh can really tell us why this part of the brain why the neurons firing in this part of the brain produces allows us to have you know personal experiences that we can only register on an emotional level right or the like you know qualia that you know uh so truthfully while while i'm still skeptical of this uh that ai could become sentient i'm not going to say it's impossible because truthfully i don't know how brains uh can produce mental states in the first place you know per you know there's a bunch of different like um philosophical ideas that you know there's like the idea of like panpsychism which i don't subscribe to but it's the idea that um consciousness is you know this kind of like fundamental part of reality and actually everything is conscious to a certain degree you know things that aren't human are much less conscious than things that are human but even you know uh you know all matter is essentially the theory is that all matter somehow has some type of consciousness. Now I don't buy that, but it's not impossible. Uh, you know, it, it could be possible. It's not logically impossible anyway. So, you know, I mean, it might be physically impossible, but yeah, you know, my point is we don't actually know, uh, a huge amount about how, um, we, we know that it's correlation between the brain and the mind, obviously, but we don't exactly know like how the brain itself can produce qualia. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those things that's kind of it, it, it. It's sort of the problem with the Turing test, which is this is the kind of determination that could only be made observationally, and that sort of also makes it impossible. Yes, and uh, we can't like observationally determine uh, at least at this point how the brain is able to create this qualia. So how could we do that for a machine? Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, Anchor had uh, a couple other questions as well. Uh, uh, Ask honest opinions on where and when the practice of riding a bicycle is or should be considered socially acceptable. Ooh, okay. Um, so I've had so okay. So where I grew up, this may be. I mean, I I know this because I've been to different parts of, of America. Uh, but where I grew up. Um, it was socially acceptable, um, to ride the bicycle, ride your bicycle on the sidewalk. This is the problem that I have with a lot of the, dude, the, the number of places where you're supposed to ride your bike on the road blows my mind. 
Bikes are for the sidewalk. The yes, idea that I you always want to ride one on a road is um is just absolutely incredible to me. Also, and also, also, um, like obviously, if there's people walking, right, you obviously turn into the road for a bit to get, let them pass, right? Obviously, yeah, that's just the correct sure. thing to do if you're riding a bike on on the sidewalk, right? Is you, yeah, you get over to the road and and let them pass, but after there's no more people in your immediate vicinity or direction, you get back on the sidewalk. That is when I grew up. That was how I rode my bike. It was on the sidewalk. And I I didn't learn until much later in life that that's almost taboo, that you're not supposed to ride your bike on the sidewalk. Yeah, it was so mind boggling to me when I found that out. I I, I was just like, I was really perplexed. Absolutely Uh, (laughs) insane. The the riding a bicycle to me is socially acceptable. Um, Here's the thing. I think there's I think riding a bicycle as a recreational activity is always socially acceptable. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. <clears throat> Riding a bicycle because you have to ride a bicycle when you could take other transportation. <laughs> not socially acceptable and never should yeah. be. Yeah. The, uh, like the cyclists who are in the road, uh, yelling at traffic. Yeah. Because that's how they commute. It's like, no, no, uh-huh. no, 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 no. You get to you get to be part of society and get a goddamn car. <laughs> that's my that's the thing. To me, recreational bicycle riding. I used to ride bikes with my family all the time. We'd go through, yeah, through the yeah. neighborhood and stuff like that. That's totally recreational bike riding. Nothing wrong with it. Riding a bike <laughs> because you have to when you could take other forms of transportation. Mm-hmm. I'll say with the exception maybe of public transport. Maybe public transport's not safe where you are. Fine. But but when there when there are other options available to you, that is, you could afford a car <laughs> and and yet you are still taking a bike because you don't have another No, 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 get that the fuck out of here. You right drive a car like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Is <laughs> is Ugh. And it's not even because I disagree conceptually with taking a bike as as a, as a method of transportation for your commute. It's because of the entitlement that comes with it. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, he also asks. Just to get this one too. Uh, he also asks uh, best um, best way to usefully recycle a slim monstrosity of a civic project such as this. And this is a uh, a weird, shitty awning. That was built, um, it's, it's, it's official LA, uh, uh, I'm sorry, it's official La Sombrerita are shade and lighting and lighting pilot for the LA DOT gender equality action plan was unveiled yeah. this morning. This is a small shade thing, very tiny awning with a, with a, a, an, a, a light in it. I am so glad, uh, you read this one because, okay, when I first looked at the image of what this was, uh, my brain broke for a little bit uh, trying to decipher what it was. Um, <laughs> I don't because understand. Have you ever looked at those pictures that they're like impressionistic paintings where you can pick out one or two things that look somewhat like something, but the whole painting is just a bunch of like, you know, squiggles. Right. Uh, really? Like, yeah. you know, like it's almost like a Rorschach test thing where it's like, um, like uh, nothing. There's nothing actually discernible in the painting, but your brain kind of fills it in. That's yeah. kind of like the experience I had looking at this where it's like, what the fuck is this? Your brain almost wants it to be a worthwhile structure. Yeah. But it's very clearly like, not one. What is its purpose? It doesn't look like you can put out shade. 
Is they like no. what? What? What's the what? They can only shade from one angle and over a very small area. Yeah, it's insane. And if the sun is at an angle, good luck. Yeah, if it's if it's okay, like let's assume let's assume the sun is because if the sun is not doing this, this is even dumber. Let's assume that the left side of the picture is uh, east. Uh huh. And the right side of the picture is west. If it's not that, right. this is even dumber. Let's just assume. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it's like one thirty in the afternoon, there's no shade being provided by this or by the tree no. on the other Not side of the all. sidewalk from it. So it's there's it's there's a uselessness to it through a good chunk of the day every day. Yeah. Uh, the best thing to do with this is turn it into a light pole. If you're that concerned about street lighting, just put a light on it. I don't understand. The other the other question is this. If it's a gender equity action plan, this thing is a lit thing. I'm assuming the purpose is like street safety and having lighted streets, right? I'm assuming Why does that's... it look like that? Because it, <laughs> it, it's, it's also supposed to be a shade thing. So why do you have light provided by your shade thing? It's at cross purposes. And, and additionally, if you were to put up street lights... You would need a light under the shade thing because the shade thing would block the light from the streetlights and you'd have a dark area there. That's if it were an effective shade thing at all. It's very clearly not. I'm baffled by this and whoever thought it was a good (laughs) idea. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I don't know. Melt it down and... Weld the door of someone you hate. Weld their weld their door shut. Or yes, something. there you that, go. That, yeah. Do, so anything else is the answer. That is not legal <laughs> advice. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, that was just infuriating to see. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. Okay, you pick uh, one now. Okay. Um. Uh. This is from Deer at Voldeer. Uh. The three best ways to prepare for the end times. Huh. Live, laugh, love. No, I'm there you go. <laughs> um, God. the three best ways to prepare for the end times. Okay, I can give I can give a serious answer, but I think the three things you should know. Okay. So, like, if 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 we're actually talking about social, claims, yeah, go for it. Okay, you give a serious answer because I won't. So. Okay, all right, good <laughs> enough. Um, uh, know how to shoot is number one. Um, number two is understand aquaponics. Even even just conceptually. I'm not saying you need an aquaponic system like already built and ready to go, but know how to build one. Um and the third one, uh know how to butcher an animal. Just the general sort of idea of how to butcher an animal yeah. is going to need to be is going to be good knowledge to have. Um Yeah, no that's but, all oh, that, great advice. I'm sorry, that was my joke answer. I meant live laugh love. no that's uh, actually there's a there's a great paper that was published by a university um agriculture school that it it was basically just a method by which you can build a siphon driven uh aquaponic system i downloaded it and it's in my binder of prepper shit (laughs) just make sure just make sure not to butcher the animal in your front yard or some people may be yeah, some people might get upset about that one. <laughs> um, well, do you, actually, do you want to go to that question? Because that was a question that was uh, asked. 
Um, yeah, sure. I, I was just going to give a meme answer. Uh, drugs, alcohol, and um, uh, probably more drugs. Those are yeah. my three. Those are probably going to yeah. be most... Uh, actually, you know what? Maybe, because that'll be very valuable. Actually, no, toilet paper. Drugs, <laughs> drugs, alcohol, toilet paper. That's yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's going to be fucking currency, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you want to go to that question from Rollo? Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. He asked, yeah. favorite example of a libertarian turning Republican? And you clarified, you asked for clarification, you said, mm-hmm. when you say Republican, do you mean it literally as in they changed their voter registration, or just the libertarians who took a rightward turn and sent for right-wing politicians? Um, and he says the latter. So, yeah. which, which I also assumed it was, but that, that, mm-hmm. that is a good clarification to have. Um, favorite example? I think he just means like the one that's like the funniest or, you know, the top example, I guess. I mean, uh, the the one of the better examples is. Uh, I, I guess Pete is a is sort of a quintessential yeah. almost example. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's. It, no, it, yeah. Um, Pete's turn. Uh, was uh, sir, uh, hmm. I, I, yeah, it was surprising because the last episode, th- this is the thing, you were on an episode of his show right before it happened. Yeah. Right before he did that. And actually, it's one of my favorite yeah. episodes of his show <laughs> that he's oh, ever done, is the one that you were on. <laughs> um... <laughs> But he, it, it was a, it was kind of a quick thing, at least publicly. But yeah, that kind of feels like that quintessential. Because to me, what, what's this, this description of a libertarian turning, libertarian turning Republican? To me, is a heel turn. That is sort of the same as a libertarian turning into a a, a legalist prog. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. Uh- yeah, they're like it always. Okay, so my answer uh, is probably going to be uh, it, it all dovetails. So I'm not like taking away from your answer, but my answer was going to be Stefan Molyneux. Um, and my, yeah. my reasoning for this is because I used to listen to Stefan Molyneux a pretty good amount. Um, and then one day he was like, you know what, Donald Trump, he's my guy. Oh, uh, God. And that's why we need borders, uh, you know? like Ugh. oh god and, and you know especially coming from someone who was so pompous about you know a rigorous intellectual discussion about like you know argumentation to really fall back on these you know extremely dumb arguments and basically just fallacious reasoning um that really started to like uh get on my nerves and, and but the, but how it ties into like you know as you're saying the pete thing is i've seen this same thing play out multiple times in the past yes there have this been a few like examples same shit yes yeah. uh christopher cantwell's another one for people who know who that is yep um th- there have been quite a few people who have been libertarians and and you know you know what? here's the thing right there's the type of libertarian who I think just doesn't understand the philosophy too well and then is extremely susceptible to like republic becoming Republican or Democrat again or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Or they misinterpret it somehow. But the ones that boggle my mind are the people who I know know better. And then they start making arguments that they debunked two years ago. Uh, yeah, that is really That's, wild. That me. is what's crazy to me, too. Is it's just yes. like, how do you how do you make that turn where? You very effectively 
were defeating yourself just a couple of months ago. Well, but they live in reality and we live in our heads. That's the that see that is such an interesting critique to me. <laughs> Like yes, and, no. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? I don't remember who said it. It might have been Necro. I don't remember, so I apologize. Whoever said this, um, it, you're it's fantastic, and I wish I could find and give you credit. If I can find you, I will give you credit 100. percent But someone said uh, the whole oh oh Lolbert, I live in reality. You live just live in your head. It's the breakfast question, <laughs> dude. It's the breakfast question. It is. <laughs> They, they, their, their critique. Whenever we say, yeah, but, but, you know, theoretically, this, this, or this, they're like, huh, you're just a lol, you're Lulbert stuck in your head. I live in reality. No, they're saying what they're saying is, oh, but I did eat breakfast uh, yes. this morning. Yeah, I can't, I can't conceive of a conditional hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is, it is exactly that. I, I mean, it's, it's such an interesting thing to me. That particular critique kind of blows my mind because anyone with with anyone not just with an ideology but with the preferred social order that you would like to see is right. to some extent operating on theory. Living, yes. If if you act, you are acting upon like look look look. If you are acting, anytime you act, this goes back to praxeology. If you are a person who is acting, you are acting based on a mental state of preferring one thing to another. You are acting on theory. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I can't I, I can't. Um... Also, can we can we just point out the the hilarious nature of um, this idea that well the left always wins and that's why there's such a threat. I'm tired of losing. That's why I'm going to become a Republican. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm. <laughs> that is very funny, isn't it? <laughs> I'm tired of losing. That's why I'm joining the losing side. Yeah, I'm uh, joining the big, bigger losing side because they get more votes, but they still lose. Yeah, God, that is that is funny. Um, yeah, I just I don't I I really it's don't. Such a stupid critique, dude. It really is, and I can't understand. I I I shouldn't say that. I do understand. I also I understand that COVID broke broke a lot of people's worldview. I understand sure. that, that the worldview of, of a lot of libertarians, especially in the lead up to COVID, was that people want what we're selling. Even if they don't realize it, they want what we're selling. And being faced with yeah. the reality that maybe a significant proportion of people don't. Um, yeah, that's why I'm... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just see that as, as I understand how that could break you Yeah, in that way. I. I I think it always matters, like, why did you become a libertarian? Like, if you became a libertarian because you, you're like, oh, well, you know, if you, again, if you were sold this, like, narrative that, oh, everyone is really a libertarian, they just don't know it, type thing, uh, you know, I, I could, yeah, as you said, I can understand how people could get, you know, um, demoralized coming, facing the reality that that's not really true. Yeah. Um, but... Again, like if you came to this in in the belief that hey, I'm a libertarian because I believe it's wrong to progress against uh, peaceful people, uh, I don't understand. Like, and if you were serious about that at first, at least, I don't see how you could change that unless you were like, oh, actually, yes, I do want to aggress against people, which then beg- raises the question: like, okay, uh, what? How, why were you opposed to it in the first place? And then you're okay with it. You've given real no. 
You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just feels like it's, it's appealing to consequences. It just feels like it's taking the easy road and just saying, well, you know, we'll never have a libertarian society. So I'm just going to, you know, do all these things to make to prop myself up better, even if I'm going to hurt other people in the process. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I think is a sort of a defining difference, too. I mean, to hear to hear. I mean, this is the thing that ultimately. If I'm being honest, when when he says things like this, I don't believe him. But to hear Pete describe yeah. it, what he's encouraging people to do is better themselves and better their lives and get money and get in a better it's a situation. Yes, it it feels that way to me because then he argues that he gets to attack people for uh, right. for um processing Field dressing their an own, animal. Yes, yeah. on their so own like- property. So it's it's yeah. the kind of thing where it's like uh, if if that's really your position, if what you're proclaiming to be your position is your position, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, but also, how is that different from what almost every other libertarian has said in the past? Does any libertarian actually all, disagree? How is it at yeah. all inconsistent with it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. How does any libertarian disagree with the mot of? saying hey you should better yourself and the people around you do what you can uh that's a great that's a great that's great advice that's fantastic absolutely uh now what do you mean by that pete yeah yeah <laughs> what does that's, that really mean to i you? don't I, I i simply cannot believe him when he says yeah. it. yeah because it's right it, it, to me it's like yeah but you argued for other shit that implies to me that that's not your goal and i happen to know for a fact that you do not have any compunction about lying because you yourself have proclaimed the uselessness of principle. So I I I, I have a hard time trusting somebody. That's who, almost that's almost a principle in itself. Saying yeah. that there should there are no principles are useful. That is your principle. That right. you're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> kind of a funny way. But no. But to your point, yeah, yeah. The, the uselessness of principle. But then your principle is also yeah. You should do what you can to better yourself and your you know all this shit. Um. Yeah. Like. But yeah, it's it's a it's a Mott Bailey. It, it's saying that you know you say the the thing everyone is going to agree with the first, and then you pull out some non sequitur on the second half and say, "See, that's what just what I believe." That, that way, when attacking anyone, my neighbor for field dressing a deer on his own property because of my property right. values. And exactly. Also, yeah. also, can we say something too? Something that really bothers me, and uh, I don't like. There's really no good outcome in this, but it's one of those cases where okay. You either did not understand libertarianism or you're just lying that libertarian. You're just lying about libertarianism itself. Um, in that post, I, I wanted to talk about this for a while, but I just didn't want to really get into it. But it, this gives us kind of an opportunity to um, in that post. He was talking about like how, well, don't uh, you know, it, how is, uh, you know, reducing my property value not a nap violation? I don't know a single libertarian who has ever argued that reducing no. someone's property value is inherently a nap violation. No one has that ever has never argued been. that. Yeah, Rothbard never said anything like that. Uh, Walter Block, Hans Hoppe, none of them have ever said anything like that. So he is either, in that case, he is either absolutely just misrepresenting libertarianism intentionally, or he truthfully just didn't know. Uh, and, you know, which I don't believe. It seems I don't to believe. me he's, he, that to me, because I, I know some stuff about this that I, I doubt he does. Uh, and that's not a judgment against him. I just I I have other interests than he does, and mm-hmm. so it, I, it, I've been exposed to these other ideas. And that is, it seems to me he's reasoning backward to the um, the common law concept of nuisance. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but he's reasoning to it from the nap or trying to, right? And it doesn't work, <laughs> um, right? But if you wanted to argue the common law concept of nuisance and its validity, argue that, right? I mean, don't try to say that's that's what the libertarian non-aggression principle proves, you right? Know? No, it, does, they, it absolutely provide. does not provide for that. So, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, uh, it. it, it it, it seemed like a broken chain of logic attempting to get to the validity of the common law concept of nuisance, which there may right. be some validity to. I, I, I frankly haven't thought about it deep enough to determine how libertarian or a libertarian the pr- common law concept of nuisance is. Mm-hmm. But um, it, 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 it certainly doesn't fall out of the nap. Right. Uh, it's also, you know, this whole thing, also the whole like rightward turn. um it, it it really is, you know, I, I would say I'm disappointed. I'm not surprised anymore. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. Uh, because it's like there's always going to be a certain segment of libertarians who get on onboarded from being a Republican into libertarianism because they think I, that the libertarianism will be an easier like mechanism in order to create their what they view as like a, a, a conservative or like a right wing culture. Their right? preferred That's social outcome. Yeah, that's right. And I think when they come up against the reality that it's probably not that simple and that there's a lot more people that disagree with them than they realize, um, I, I think they just become Republicans again, quite frankly. Yeah, I, I think that um, uh, they eventually reach uh, an ick factor uh, in their own personal value judgments that just kind of sends them over the edge and they, they just can't uh, like allow people to peacefully disassociate in, in tolerance. Um, yes, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, there's some it, of it too that there's there's been quite a bit of it too that's been motivated by um, religious <laughs> sort of uh, interests and things like that. That's the kind of thing yes. that I don't. I have a harder time. To me, that is such a complex dynamic. The way that a person's religion affects them, that mm-hmm. I have a hard time sort of thinking about that in an objective way because. It's not as it's not as easy as simply having a philosophy and then dumping it. There's a there's a sort of it it involves spiritualism, and that's really difficult to sort of try to objectively break down. And so for right. those people, to me, it's it's like I, I can't really explain that, and I don't. Um, I could explain it. I don't want to mm-hmm. try to because it's such a personal thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So that's the kind of, I, I see that as slightly different. The people who are motivated by religion into these things. I disagree with them still, but I see that yeah. motivation as slightly different from a, a sort of uh, crass consequentialist motivation. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with that. I, I think, I think for a lot of them, um, and you also often saw this, like with the you know the uh, um, uh, the Praxians as they call themselves, or like post libertarians. Uh, sure. I've heard them referred to as neoprags, like neopragmatists, which I actually I like that term. That's not um, a bad term at all. Yeah, yeah. I think Liquid Zulu actually might have coined that, um, but so that's uh, that's uh, I, I like that term. So I'm going to call them neoprags from now on. Yeah, uh, but it basically term. is. Yeah, they're basically like, well, no, you know, um, uh, we need to, like, you know, uh, accomplish these things pragmatically, which, again, it's one of those things where on its face, I'm not opposed to pragmatism in itself. But when you're to when your pragmatism involves 
um, uh, you know, violating some people in order to like, you know, is you is if you see it as freeing others, I still see that as uh, you know, if if you're like vi- like if you're violating other people because you think oh, in the end, in the long run, that'll lead to more liberty. You're still violating other people. Yeah, like you're still. You know what I mean? It's it's still it's still uh, a, an infringement on the non-aggression principle. But again, they don't care about that anymore. Yeah. But they will only. You know, it's funny. They will only use the non-aggression principle. When they think it's they can be used against us, but any other time they don't abide by it. Oh, it's the exact same uh, meme as the uh, the, the religion one. Yeah, it's the exact same meme as the religion one, where it's like, well, what would do you think Jesus would do? I don't believe in Jesus, and this <laughs> argument wouldn't convince me, but maybe it would. Com- you know, it's the same. It's the same thing. Right. It's the exact same thing. And it, right. So yes. it's a or functionally, it's the same thing. There's a difference between a, a religious philosophy and a political one, but yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the whole the whole idea, I you know, I one of the things that I like when this whole thing started happening, I I called them uh, domestic neocon, and I still stand by that. I still I still I still think that's appropriate. Yeah, that's not because, a bad. That's you know, not a bad description. Well, one of the things you know when now when we think about you know someone might think about that. That's insane. The reason, you know, they're neocons is that they're foreign interventionists. It's like, okay, yes, that's true. But my point is one of the one of the points of neoconservatism, at least the most one of the most objectionable things to it. And there's many things objectionable to neoconservatism, all of it, practically, uh, is the fact that uh, uh, you are willing to kill or hurt or maim innocent people in order to achieve your outcome, in order to achieve some political change in some other country. Um, yes, the the neoprags are domestic neocons in the sense that they believe in that same principle, but only uh, in, in domestically. Right. They'll say that, well, uh, in America, you know, if we have to go hurt a bunch of, you know, violate a bunch of people's rights here and there in order to achieve our, you know, our regime change that we want to see. Well, then, you know, uh, that that's fine. Um, so so domestically, they have that same kind of mindset. Yes, that's that is incredibly accurate. There's um, also, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. Go for it. No, I was just going to say, there's also a, 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 a sort of like anti intellectualism str- like strain of thought on in those like right circles where it's like they view it as almost like deceptive or, you know, or like witchcraft sort of type thing, right? Where it's like uh, you're, you're trying to trap me or something. Uh, and I think that, you know, they think that because, you know, there's a certain like, it's true that like, you know, in academic spaces, it's very much left wing. But I think for a lot of them, they, they take that to mean that, oh, well, at, you know, at any type of academic aspiration or like kind of kind of like thought or motive is therefore driven by. Yeah, it's like a friend enemy distinction thing with them where they, they signal anyone who is like analytic in their you can't, reasoning. It's, the, it's be, almost like you can't trick me by making me use my thinky brain. It's, it's yeah, like, right. <laughs> it's 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 exact. It's kind of, it, it really feels like that sometimes, where it's like, yeah, you you're not gonna trick me by 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 making me think. And it's like, yep. uh, but that's the whole thing, man. Is <laughs> yeah, because the, the the argument is is the 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 total concern with with pragmatism is that theory has to fall by the wayside um mm-hmm. which it never functionally does because you're working towards something right and that must exist theoretically anyway um yeah, right. <laughs> so to what 
that is an interesting thing to to tie it into an anti-intellectual streak because I'm I'm mm-hmm. relatively anti-intellectualist. I'm not a big fan of of people who are considered intellectuals or called yeah. I'm such. anti-intellectual class, like is a class right. distinction. I'm very much opposed to that. Yes, yes. In in the same way, that's not to say uh, my, my argument is that thinking is wrong. Right. Yeah. They're they're like taking, you know, there's two options here. Uh, if you're anti-intellectual, uh, you could be your anti-intellectual class. You'd be like, uh, those people suck. Everyone should think for themselves. Or on the other end, you're like, no one should think like those people do. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, no those one. people think <laughs> too much. That's the problem. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is an interesting take. I, I hadn't. I hadn't heard that sort of hooked in as an anti-intellectualist mm-hmm. thing. I had noticed the yeah. like you can't trick me into thinking bit, but yeah. I hadn't it's seen why that they, as it's linked why to the anti-intellectualism. It's why when you make an argument, they get extremely uncomfortable. Like if you make some type of logical argument and deduce it, they'll be like, "Oh, most people don't care about that." Okay, well, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to most people. Yeah. Now engage with the argument. They, from what I've found, they just try like try to squirm out of it, or they'll just like make very bad like fallacious reasoning. And ultimately, if you like whittle them whittle them down far enough, they'll just be completely honest and say, "Yeah, I I, I don't care what you have to say uh, at all." And it's like, all right, yeah. well, if you told me that from the start, it'd been a lot, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, why, why did you? Why did you even start this? <laughs> like, why? Yeah. Why did you even? Why did you even reply? Right. It doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. Actually, sort of linked to that is um, uh, Alice Decay, sovereign property of Alice Decay on on uh, that's the at on Twitter is Alice Decay mm-hmm. asked, "What's the fundamental difference between zealotry and organized religion and zealotry and political ideology?" Ooh. I'm not sure there is much of a difference depending on how you define zealotry. Yeah. If by zealotry you mean unabashedly believing what you believe, um, if, if by zealotry, what does zealotry mean in this context? Does zealotry mean right. being obnoxious? Yeah, I think it can't be just dogmatism, which is like, you know, believing wholeheartedly in whatever you believe in. Um, yeah and not willing to sway or being un- not yielding to any any like um anything outside of it. I, that's dogmatism to me um zealotry seem it, at least in my reading of zealotry it's always been something much more than dogmatism yeah um, it carries a it carries like a an obsessive quality where, yes yes um almost leading to like a physical confrontation type thing uh I think it can exist in both in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I don't think there's much of it. I, I think zealotry is the main component here and not religion or political ideology. Yeah, yeah. So I think they kind of manifest similarly. Yeah, I think it can. I mean, you can have you can have people who are uh, I mean, you have the, the to make a, a comparison, the people who are like from the Westboro Baptist Church and the people who are uh, who are for example, on, on the left that are constantly, mm-hmm. uh, holding like Antifa events and shit like that, like getting in people's way and being assholes in the same way mm-hmm. that the Westboro Baptist church people do. Um, right. Like that to me is that's, it's the same phenomenon to me. Um, mm-hmm. in that these people, uh, have this belief, they're obsessed with this belief and this belief has led them to no longer care for the, um, not, not the 
safety or comfort, but just the general social uh, getting alongness that most people mm-hmm. try to abide by. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I, I think they can Absolute. be the same thing. I, uh, and I think it actually, uh, mm-hmm. I think that motivation might come from the same place as far yep. as like the, the human psyche goes. Yep, I completely agree with that. Um, uh, Vamsi has an, uh, so he has a question. What have you recently changed your mind about? And I assume he's asking both of us, but, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was an um, interesting one. Yeah. So actually that, you know, I, I, I talked about Stefan Molyneux earlier on the show. Um, and there's, there's an, there's something he said. I remember that uh, I used to say a lot, which is that you cannot reason someone out of a position that they never reasoned themselves into. And I used to like kind of unquestioningly uh, like repeat that. I'm not that I kind of think that's sort of not right. Not correct. It it, it Um, sounds good and it feels right. But when you interrogate it, there might be an issue there. Yeah, right. So like, you know, obviously one example of that is that do we come pre-programmed with rational beliefs? Because if you if you want to say that you cannot reason someone out of a belief they never reasoned themselves into, and we don't come pre-programmed uh, just with reasoned arguments already, then it seems we could never have reasoned arguments in the first place, right? Right. That's just kind of like a logical implication of that. So that's one thing that I've kind of like um, gone back and, and kind of reconsidered um, and, and come to a different conclusion than I did originally. Um, that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. That that one's really interesting. For if you me, don't have an answer, don't feel like no. I I to... I do for sure. I think. I think, uh, man. I end up uh, I end up changing my mind on stuff a lot, but it's always little things. There's never been like an mm-hmm. overarching thing that I change my mind on. Not I shouldn't say never, but like it's it's rare that that occurs. It does happen sometimes, but it's it's rare that that occurs. Um I think I think one of the things that I've changed my mind on recently is sort of um the the amount of importance of of weight of uh value to Things like, and I shouldn't, I, I, I don't want to sound any particular way with this, but, but the things like, um, th- I, I guess the best word is theory, but I mean that as opposed to other aspects of life. Mm-hmm. I, I mean that almost in, in the way that we were talking about zealotry. Where it's mm-hmm. like, I, the importance of my perspective on political stuff and, and political issues, moral issues, it, it's sort of, the value that I place on that has waned in a sense. Mm. Where I'm interested in other stuff, not, maybe more, but it's not like that's gone away. But it is more things my, are attracting your focus. Yeah. In my day to day life, it's less of a concern. Yeah. Um, 
And and I think that's uh I think that's a good thing. I think Oh, I think a, so too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a thing that's like there's there's other stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, my whole thing I've always thought that, you know, it's it's generally a bad idea to, like, make one whole thing your personality. Right. You know, or like, you know, what I mean, um, you can kind of like, uh, you know, come off as like flat and monotone. It's like a person in, yes. in a personality way. Uh, so, no, I, I think that's very good. I, I think people having varied interests in, in, in different things is like always a plus. Right. Right. And it's it's a it's a. And people, I mean, and I, I say this, like, people may not know this, like, about you in particular, right? But if we're, if we're on there playing a video game, we're talking about stuff mm-hmm. that's not politics. Yeah. Like, we, uh, like someone who may you, not, you, you right. Keep a, you have a brand on Twitter that talks about that, but <laughs> yes. you as an individual have other interests. Um, yes, absolutely. And, and, um, and I feel that it, it's been a gradual shift. It's not, so, it's, I think that's why it's hard to pinpoint. It's like a changing of mind, uh-huh. but it's, it's been a gradual shift toward, like, yeah, I could, I could sit down and read, you know, one of these things, or I could sit down, and, but I could also spend time with my girlfriend <laughs> instead, right. and I think yeah. I'd rather do that. You Here, know what Chad, I mean? GPT, summarize this for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I interrupted. What were you saying? Uh, me? Yeah, you were saying something before I interrupted about that. Oh, no, sorry. I, I No, I was just, just going to uh, jump off on that point you said because yeah i think some something that people might not know about me is that i um if they like in person when i talk to people in person i never bring up politics ever uh, and I know that might yeah. be surprising to people uh, who only know me from twitter but i rarely ever talk politics outside of twitter <laughs> yeah <laughs> like ever yeah it's not it's not that's kind of that outlet for you yeah exactly yeah exactly it's a release valve yeah yeah and we might talk about other philosophical stuff. Like we might talk about it, yeah. but the political stuff is kind of uh, not really something that comes up, uh, up between the two of us very often. If that's not the point of the conversation, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I find it to be, that's, that's something that I think a lot of people could do. It's almost dude. It's fucking touch grass. Like it's like, right. It yeah. Really yeah, is important to touch grass. <laughs> There are so many people who I see uh, online and like, look, I'm a person who's online a lot, but I try to always be on guard against becoming a terminally online person yes, yes. where it, it becomes where it just like envelops my personality. Because there's some people I see on Twitter. I'm like, that man is mo- mentally unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, uh, they, you know, they are just like. It's like they were born on the internet and they've never left it. And then everything, you know, every bit of like stimuli that they receive is from some like outrage account or something on Twitter meant to make you make be mad or they something. Lose you know all what I mean? Perspective. Yeah. You lose all perspective when that's sort of the core of your personality. Um, right. And I think that's I think I think actually you put it the right way, which is that having a multifaceted personality is a good thing. Having interests outside yeah. of one thing is a good thing. And and right. that's what in that's the same way, of, you know, you wouldn't want to listen to a song that was just the same note for in the, forever. It would just be like, ah, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's much nicer to listen to music uh, that has multivariated uh, notes and, and tracks. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, it's and I shouldn't say I, I, it's hard to present this as like a change of mind thing because it's not really I never really thought that like my personality should be only this one thing. I never thought that it, it was just more kind of was the fact for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And 
probably about the time that I started going to law school and stuff that, that kind of gradually started to shift where it's like other interests started to right. take over and, and not, and, and sort of provide other various methods of expression and things to think about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, it's not that that's what changed in my mind was that I, okay. I, I stopped being so focused on the one thing mm-hmm. and it's sort of become, and it's an interesting thing too, because that one thing being an aspect of personality, it, it allows you to, um, challenge and further, uh, interrogate and to find consistencies and, and inconsistencies between those things. Right. Um, and that's, that's an interesting or an important, I think aspect of, of having interests and having modes of expression and stuff like that is that you can, you can compare them and contrast them and, and find other implications that fall out of those that, that will affect the whole web. Like it's all, it's, it's all connected ultimately. Right. And I, I think that's fascinating too. I like thinking about that sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I know that sounds a little Uh, schizo, but it's like, yeah, no, no. Yeah, no. Um, let's, uh, uh, oh, I here, like, here's uh, one. Uh, yeah, yeah, you go. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, dude. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say I like Anargecko's question. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Say we have retrieved anarchy the world over. If you could live anywhere in the world and not have to worry about tyrannical governments out to get you, where would it be and why? He says, personally, Ooh. my ideal location would be a floating house off the coast attached to the sea floor, a tree house. <laughs> he continues, and relatedly, would you prefer living in mountains, the desert, forested lake regions, coast, uh, and why? And would you pick a state to live in right now as they are? Which state would it be and why? Um, so the first question, if we, if we had anarchy the world over, uh, where would you like to be? Hmm. That's a tough one. I, I have so many different answers to that. Um, okay, I, I think Italy is beautiful uh, geographically. God, uh, it really is. So uh, maybe Italy. Uh, like if if it's all anarchism everywhere, uh, may, yeah, maybe Italy. Um, like up up north or down in the Mediterranean north, Peninsula. Uh, down down in the Mediterranean. Yeah, oh yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I actually tend to like the idea of running water. I like having having like str- like a stream or a river. Um, mm-hmm. and so probably. Probably for me, it would be sort of out. Uh, I don't know. You know, the, I grew the up Swiss? on the Mississippi River. You don't want to be anywhere near there. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the, the the what's always been gorgeous to me, and I know it's a probably a pain in the ass to live there and get around, but the Swiss Alps have always been gorgeous to me. Oh, dude, they're yeah, absolutely beautiful. That that's on my top five for sure. Swiss Alps. I could I could do that. I could do mm-hmm. that and enjoy yeah. it, I think. Yeah. Um, and the second part of it is just a, a cabin, simple cabin. Just, you know, not like, not yeah, fucking, nothing. not Unabomber simple cabin, but like a, <laughs> right. just a nice I, I'm not a huge fan, and this is just me, my personal beliefs, but I'm not a huge fan of like really big houses. 
Like no. you can have a big house, but like I, 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 you know, this idea that oh, if I had a, you know, all the money in the world, I wouldn't buy the biggest house. That like, I, I, why? I, you know, I yeah, I'm just showing. That'd be just showing off. room. Right. Like I want everything to have like a, a place and a purpose if I'm going to be there. You know what yeah. I mean? So like not too small to where I feel like, oh, man, I wish I had more room, but not, you know, man, I have like, you know, four different bedrooms here. It's like, no, I, I don't need that. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, And then uh, if you could pick a state to live in right now as they are, which one would you pick? So personally, for me, I don't really like. Outside of, you know, obvious things, unless the state is like really tyrannical or something like that, or like extremely heavy on the tax burden or something like that. I don't really pay too, too much attention politically to like uh, like that. I mostly base it off of like territory, uh, things like that. Obviously, you know, the laws there are important and, you know, that's going to be different for everyone. But I think for me personally, I actually would probably prefer to go out west more like somewhere in like the. Uh, uh, hmm. like Montana know, like, out like, west, or like Wyoming, Colorado. Those places yeah, are really yeah. beautiful to me. Yeah, I, 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 I can't really think of a place that I would rather be than mm-hmm. Texas. I think Oklahoma mm-hmm. would be great. Um, but those are also places I've lived. Oh, okay. Uh. I, Oklahoma, I, I'm, I actually, I would like to live in Oklahoma. I would like to move to Oklahoma. I, I would go so far as to say I intend to. Um, okay. But <sighs> Texas is really, really nice. <laughs> uh, the, the weather's not great, but man, um, <laughs> honestly, it's one of the things that attracts me to Oklahoma, too. Having constitutional carry is wonderful. I love being able mm-hmm. to just put on a gun and go out and not have to worry. Oh, for sure. Um. Oh, I shouldn't oversell it. It's not, you not have to worry. It's, you know, most of the places I go, there's not a problem. Um, so some of I, Oklahoma is really attractive to me. Oklahoma is really, really attractive to me. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not only is it constitutional carry, but they're also a little bit more, I would say Oklahoma is more libertarian than Texas is even culturally. Um, Oklahoma's got a lot more of that kind of vibe than Texas does. Texas, mm-hmm. there's a lot of cultural conservatism in Texas that I that grates oh, against sure. me a little bit. Sure. There's there's some of that in in certain areas in Oklahoma, but there's less and also I could get more land in Oklahoma too. Oh, yeah, that's that's a big thing too. Yeah. I I think I think Oklahoma's my answer. I like that idea. Awesome, yeah. Um man there were other ones. Uh, 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 Joe Brin, uh, uh, X Barn, uh, three, four, uh, three, four, six X, um, who used to go as emo hoppy and, uh, asked the question, uh, is there any, uh, philosophical compatibility between Deleuze and Mises? Uh, more specifically, can praxeology fit into a Deleuzean philosophy? It seems like any of the liberal or libertarian Deleuzeans I know view markets as rhizomatic, but that seems more zoomed out than what I'm asking. Um, it is this is a really out. good question. Yeah, this is this is a very good question. Uh, truthfully, that would be my go to answer. So you kind of already preempted it uh, in I'm your sorry. response. I do think. No, 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 not you. I'm talking about I'm talking about uh, Joe's question, oh, like okay. his. Uh, no, no, I'm talking about like yeah, the fact that it, 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 I, I'm aware that it's zoomed out. But the, uh, uh, but that kind of would be my go to answer. Truthfully, um, there may be more like um, 
something like that's more compatible with praxeology and Deleuzian philosophy. Um, I haven't thought about that too much, so that may be something worth thinking about. But I certainly think that, uh, you know, for Deleuze, Deleuze's whole thing is like the concept of openness and possibility in, in like, uh, like he talks about like lines of flight, right? So like, um, um, instead of like looking at things through like a linear structure, uh, uh, generally speaking, how things are just like kind of fixed, um, he's much more like uh, imagining like what could be. And I do think that there is certain like uh, the, the human actor, right. Kind of goes through this by necessity when he's planning f- for the future, when you're planning for the future, you're kind of imagining all different possible outcomes about what you could do with the resources. And I think this kind of like does fit into delusion philosophy because you're like, if you look at a P, uh, something right. And you're imagining what could this be? What could I make this? What scarce means in the world could I use to transform this thing that it is now into something else? Um, I think that, Sorry, there was a car that sped right past my house. Yeah, uh, Discord so hated it, too. Discord was like, nope, it's yeah. not getting through. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, but anyway, sorry, yeah. But yeah, whenever a human actor uh, engaged in praxeological, uh, uh, like, meaning is like, or a praxeological viewpoint is like looking at something in the world, some scarce resource, and uh, incorporating it into their ends, and they're trying to figure out, like, what could this thing be? Yeah, that I think that is very, like, is compatible with Deleuzian uh, philosophy. You know, I think, you know. I, I agree yeah. with you, and part of the reason I agree with you, because I was initially going to disagree, but now I agree, and I'll tell you why. Because I was thinking about that thing that I blurted out when I initially read that, and saying, yeah, that the rhizomatic sort of structure of markets is very zoomed out. But mm-hmm. maybe it's not. No. Because if you yeah, think I mean, about it, because I was, that, that made me think of fractals. And this idea mm-hmm. oh, that, yes, like... Yes. As you zoom in on a fractal, it does not change. It, it's that same yes. shape, that same structure is there from the macro level and at the micro All level. All the way down. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's more like that. Right. Where if you, yeah. if you zoom in on the rhizomatic structure of the market, it's just more rhizomatic structures. Right. I, again, so like there's a, the, the rhizome isn't just like, you know... Uh, a way to think about like physical orchestrations of things, right? Like, you know, we can say uh, a vine or like certain types of, you know, plant roots are rhizomatic. Uh, that That's relating to a physical thing. But you can also have a rhizome in, um, in you know, thought in the sense that you're um, able to view something in ways maybe that it wasn't intended to be used, but you can view things in ways that how this could be used for other things, uh, even if it wasn't its original intended purpose. And I do think that's very uh, rhizomatic. Yeah, absolutely. So the answer is uh, yes. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. Kind of. Yes. Definitely. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's a very interesting thought. Yeah. It it really Um, is. Anarcho Gecko uh, asked another question: <laughs> Is the Sixteenth Amendment constitutional? I'll give that one to you fully. Uh, <laughs> okay, so this fell out of. Um, there was an argument that uh, ends up. That, okay, so this this actually I have to preface with the, the uh, Ace was arguing with a guy who failed the breakfast question hard. Um, <laughs> his answer was, "I usually don't eat breakfast." 
Um, <laughs> it was, it, it was, it, it was just really bad all around. Um, it looked terrible for him. Really, really terrible for him to have done that. That same guy, it turns out, um, I discovered through arguing with him on, on a couple of key points, uh, namely the mandatory nature of the federal income tax, uh, which it is. I mean, there's no way around that. Uh, in fact, I took a picture of the first page of the federal tax code, which says a tax is hereby imposed on and then lists the people. Um, <laughs> like it's, it is the law. Um, and uh, it ended up being he was a sovsit whose position was regular sovsit things like, well, that's called a code and human beings aren't subject to codes. They're subject to laws. <laughs> and, yeah, it's sovsits are fascinating um, and they would be super, super fun if they didn't put people in danger. Um, and Anarcho Gecko witnessed this and he asks, uh, is the 16th Amendment constitutional? The 16th Amendment is the amendment which allows for the income tax. It was established in uh, in uh, the uh, Revenue Act of 1913 or just prior to the Revenue Act of 1913. And the answer is, yeah, an amendment to the Constitution is the Constitution. It's definitionally constitutional. Um, but the soft answer is um, no. Because it's a bad thing. <laughs> right. Bad things aren't real. Bad things aren't allowed to be constitutional. Didn't you know that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, I thought that was very funny. <laughs> that Anarcho Gecko came to this thread and was like, hey, is the 60 them constitutional? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh. Um, what have we not gotten to? Um, this? I have a few questions in DMs. Um, uh, uh, hang on one second. Let me pull those up. I think we've answered every single one of these in the public thread. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, Unless there was one that was nested somewhere, but I, I, I think we got them all. Oh, there's the question. Uh, there is a question. Um, uh, how much money would someone have to pay you to shoot someone's uh, a kid's dog in front of them or something like uh, that? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think I think you you brought up something uh, before I before I was going to answer, but yeah, that was basically like, well, what's the dog doing? Yeah. But I think the intent I think the intent uh, of the question <laughs> is that he's not doing anything. You know, I mean, the spirit I, of the I mean, question would... is that the dog is just oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's the spirit of the question. I just want to establish uh, for I me would do no, it for no. free if the dog is threatening me or mine, right? But yeah. <laughs> for me, um. Yeah, for me, I, I'm a hard line on this. No amount of money. I would not. I could not do it. I don't no. think I could be convinced to do it either. No. Truly. I, I, I don't like it would be. It would be such an astronomical amount of money. It would be functionally impossible for anyone to ever offer it to me. Like, like it's <laughs> that's I'm, look, I, I think I, I really am a firm believer that there's a price for everybody to a certain extent. Um, I just think for some people, the price is literally impossible. <laughs> uh and and this is one of those situations for me where it's like there's there's no amount of money that you could ever possibly mm-hmm. the the gdp of every nation on the world could wouldn't be enough money to make me do that mm-hmm. it, it's just not possible for it to happen um uh at all <laughs> I we can run through a couple of these questions and DMs. Uh, um, yes, I saw that you got some for people who wish yeah. to remain anonymous. 
Yeah, well, some, one person DM'd me, but they wanted. I'll, I'll. They didn't want to be remaining anonymous, but the other ones do. Okay. Uh, but anyway, um. So yeah, this person has a, a few questions. This is they want to be uh, referred to as definitely James Murphy from LCD Sounds. That is okay. how they want to be. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh. First question is how how do you not go insane arguing people of limited cognitive ability all the time? Um. That's the first question. Um. Uh, so yeah, we can both take that one. Um. I for for me, it's like, you know, I whenever I'm arguing with someone, I, I I've talked about this in previous episodes. Whenever I'm arguing with someone, I don't have I don't go in with the expectation that oh, after I give them this argument, Rothbard. They're going to immediately change their minds, yeah. and everyone will be fine. You know, if you go in like that, you're saying yourself disappointment. Um, so I, I don't approach it like that. I, I approach it like, okay, I'm going to argue, and it's going to be mul- it's going to be a multifaceted effect here. One is that um, I'm arguing with a person, and while they may not disagree, they may like vehemently disagree with me. In fact, I've at least planted the seeds of how how they could possibly think in the future. Maybe I'm bringing up things that they've never thought about. Before. And maybe that will spur something in the future. So perhaps I plant a seed in their mind um, that yes. maybe one day will grow, maybe it won't. But at least you know they have something there that they did not previously, right? So that's always something to consider. Another thing is a lot of people uh, may not directly, explicitly engage with the argument, but they may be fence sitters. They may be on the outskirts, just watching, looking in. Right? A lot of people do this. Yes, this um, idea of this idea that you argue to change the mind of the person with whom you're arguing, especially in a public forum, is is not uh-huh. really useful. Um, it's it's right. for the benefit of anyone who's watching. Yeah, and, and people always accuse me of like I'm quote tweeting to drag people, which sometimes I am. Sometimes it's funny. Oh, sure. Uh, and sometimes yeah. I do do that. But most of the time, that's not the purpose of my quote tweet. My quote tweet is that so more people on the fringe or on the like on the outskirts of this whole thing who've maybe never thought about this and who may share my opponent's same belief system and argument against me. I can now address their argument and the argument of the outsiders looking in at the same yes. time. I can you know many birds one stone. So that's that's sort of like how I approach that. And ultimately, right, like whether people agree with me or not, it'd be nice if people agreed with me. I'd live in a world where people, you know, did abide by the non-aggression principle and did treat the state as a criminal institution. But that's not ultimately, you know, it's not going to like change how I am as a person. You know what I mean? It's not like my personal identity is riding on them believing um, what right. I believe either. I, yeah, I believe it's wrong to aggress against people. That's not going to change even if, you know, even if they're not convinced. So sometimes it can get frustrating, but it's never going to be like, oh, well, you know, uh, my whole identity is in crisis or something like that if I can't uh, convince these people. It's not like that at all. Um, what, would you, what would you say uh, about like arguing with people? Well, I I would say, I mean, this was this is a little off topic, but it doesn't really apply to arguing with people with limited cognitive ability. I think there's value in arguing with people who are effectively challenging your positions. Um, oh yes, uh, I mean that that kind of steel sharpens steel sort of mentality. I think is very very useful mm-hmm. um, with regard to argumentation in that way. With with, uh, with regard to people of limited cognitive ability, um, honestly, it's just fun at some point. <laughs> And when it stops being fun, stop. Like, it's because if it turns into it's not fun anymore and you're actually getting riled up and pissed off about it, it's like, eh, it's not really worth continuing at that point. But for me, at least, mm-hmm. it, as long as it's fun, I'm I'm having fun. I'm, I'm not really uh, 
having a hard time um, maintaining sanity. If, 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 if I let it get to me and I let myself get pissed off about stuff, that's when it turns into a problem right. for me. Yeah. Um, the next question he had, um, what issue do you think is the hardest for anarchism or libertarianism to come to an acceptable answer on? Um, the one that strikes me immediately is obviously abortion. Um, abortion I'm not going difficult. to like, I'm not going to like propose my argument here one way or the other. Um, because that would like be a whole episode probably. Yes. Um, but, but, uh, I will say that that is probably off the, like off the top of my head. That would be one that I think is very hard for people to come to an acceptable answer on. Uh, um, yeah. I, I also, I also think one of the challenging um, things for anarchism in general, and this is truthfully, uh, when I get asked is I'm very honest with people and I say, look, I don't have a great answer for this. Uh, and that is what to do about nuclear weapons. Uh, truthfully speaking, I don't know if there is a good answer here. Um, it's it's, uh, it's like, so wrapped up with the nation state and it's so impossible almost to be responsible with them. Right. So it, it like so for me personally I am and you know people don't have to obviously don't have to agree with me on this but I am more in the camp of nuclear disarmament I think is a more imperative yeah. but I I obviously don't think that's going to happen um so it, it really is a question of I, I don't have a good answer for this, truthfully. And it's not because I don't think that's a failing of anarchism. It's just a failing that nuclear weapons exist. Yeah. Uh, no, and, I, yeah. Uh, because I, it's not that, you know, nuclear weapons are fine in the state's hand, but it's only when they get into private hands that they're dangerous. No, they're dangerous in everyone's hands. Uh, they're catastrophically destructive. Um, yeah, so that's it, it, it's really, you know. I don't. I don't feel comfortable. That, you know, Joe Biden has the nuclear football right now. For example, yeah. it's it's very worrying. Um, yeah, it's yeah, concerning. So, it's uh, that anyone could have that much destructive capability is anyone, yeah. anyone, whether they be right. private or a or a nation state. Right, because you the, the the you have to invent almost like sci fi scenarios where using it won't kill innocent people. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Um, those are those are good ones. The abortion one um, is has, absolutely yeah. Yeah. Uh, he asked, uh, "Do you consider efforts like uh, Texit or the Free State Project worthwhile strategies? If not, what do you consider the most effective strategy for increasing liberty in the long term?" Um, yeah, I think they're absolutely worthwhile strategies. Uh, like you know, you know, what I mean, like um, I feel like yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I feel like there can't be any. I, I don't believe that liberty will come about through just one strategy alone. You know what I mean? Like, I think it has to be multifaceted, uh, and, like decentralized, almost intrinsically. Yes. To come about. I think, um, I think political means especially are, are of, are of, I will say limited efficacy. Um, yes. As far as bringing about actual liberty goes, political efforts, yeah. I, I think are not doomed to fail. I don't want to say that cause I don't think that's true, but, but certainly their effect is limited. Yes, yeah, I mean the they're localized, right? Just by yeah. by the nature of, like, for example, the Free State Project and Texas, they would be localized to that locality. Um, sure, and so, you're yeah, also, I, I mean, you're also proposing a political t- a solution that is, uh, if it is actually to increase liberty, should be reducing the effect of politics, and it's a right. it, 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 that's kind of self contradictory to some extent, not entirely right, but but to some extent. 
Right. Well, I mean, you can, you know, you can sabotage something, you know, like sure. you can use something to sabotage something. I think that's, I think that's like noble if the thing is very bad. Yeah. Um, well, it's very much yeah. like, it's kind of like being a defense attorney in an attempt to use the law to keep people out of the <laughs> right. state's clutch, out of the state's clutches. But uh, it is just like that. It's limited in its efficacy because if the state has the better half of that argument, you lose. Um, right, and there's really nothing you can yeah. do about that. <laughs> uh, ultimately, yeah, I, I do think that um, they're very worthwhile strategies, and it is, I think there's a lot of worthwhile strategies. Um, th- so, so there's some strategies that I, I don't endorse, and those would be strategies that would involve aggression, right? Um, because that is like con- in, in the libertarian framework, that's completely contrary to libertarianism. Yeah. So I, I think you like just logically can't have that be a thing. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm not fine. People often accuse me uh, uh, of like being like an idealist in the sense that I hate any type of incremental increase in liberty and that's not true at all it's just what they constitute as incremental increase in liberty is aggressing against innocent people uh yes. most of the time yeah and that's, that's what the I'm hard speaking sort of cap on this <laughs> yeah right right yeah um but yeah no i'm i'm all for incremental steps towards liberty um i i think you know uh i think technological decentralization decentralization like uh 3d gun proliferation uh, all these things are, you know, uh, incre- all these things are will constitute what is hopefully a more libertarian future. Um, yes. So, yeah, I, I, I think all of these things, you know, uh, do it. And, you know, even, you know, I, I don't think like or I don't think like arguing with people and changing their mind is the most efficient way at achieving liberty. I think no. you know, technology, I think technology is. But, you know, f- there are people who do change their mind when they encounter ideas. And th- those people should not be discounted either. So, yes, it's you know, a, I, I, it, I agree with that. I think. I think anything is worthwhile so long as it doesn't undermine the purpose. Like, yes, as long as you're not undermining the, the ultimate goal, which is that, that people be free from aggression. Um, as long as you're not undermining that, uh, anything you're doing to me is going to be worthwhile, especially if it comports with your interests and your values. I mean, there's gotta be some measure of self-interest involved as well in, insofar as like you enjoy it. And you feel right. that it's worth it. Um, um, yeah, absolutely. I, that, I, so, yeah, there's, there's nothing uh, much like you. There's, I don't have a problem with incrementalism. I, I truly yeah. don't. I, I, think, I think, in fact, it's uh, the most realistic and, and accurate sort of uh, description for how you get where we want to get. If right. indeed you ever do. Um, if I w- if I was against incrementalism, I wouldn't advocate for drug legalization or decriminalization while the state still exists because I yes. didn't get everything I wanted. You know what yes. I mean? So obviously, I do support incrementalism. To some yeah. Degree. Um, so those yeah. things those things are absolutely worthwhile, especially if you feel like they're worthwhile. If they're if they interest you, if it's something that that people can get on board with, you're making a difference. Yeah, it's worthwhile. Yeah. Um. His last question is. How do you weigh the chances of a true, not de facto, dissolution of the United States in our lifetime? Um, very low. Yeah, it's, no. It's, it's, it's yeah. such, a, such an outside chance that it, it's not even really something yeah, I would consider as a possibility. Because you, you know, specified not de facto, especially. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think like a true dissolution will, will happen in my lifetime. I think oftentimes, even if you want to say, and you know, I think there's a good argument to be made. It's, it's in the show's title. 
uh, especially about like the end times of like empire and things like that. When end time, you know, when empires collapse, it's not just like you know a free fall to the bottom. It's like they are like animated zombies that go on for a very long amount of time and keep going. For they a tend while. to absolutely. Yeah, I think it's the, usually I think gradual the, before the final collapse. I think the only thing that could cause that would be economic freefall. I think if yeah, were, could, like a catastrophic freefall, not yes. just like another recession or even a, a depression, or uh, even a series of recessions that takes fifty years to finally hit bottom. Like, like it right. would have to be an right. overnight economic freefall. In order to yes. cause the the true dissolution of the United States government, not de facto, because there would be no nothing for them to govern. Right. Um, yep. And so there would be no reason for them to get up and go to work in the morning. They wouldn't. Um, yep. So so outside of that, which I think is also an outside possibility, um, mm-hmm. outside of pure uh, real overnight economic freefall i don't i don't think there's anything in my lifetime that's going to cause the true as opposed to the de facto dissolution of the united states government no right yeah no i i I completely agree with that now if you're Um, talking about about certain states leaving the union i think that's possible i think that's possible yeah yeah but i don't i don't i don't think that's what the question is about right yeah no yeah uh, let's see here. Oh, one one person asked me. Um, they were asking me about like Talmudist in my bio and if I was actually uh, <laughs> Talmudist uh, or like what my religious affiliation is. Uh, so now I have to come out uh, and admit that I am not a Talmudist. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, it's it's wonderful. That bait, is though. It is such good that bait. is there as bait. Uh, and it is a, it's so good. Um, uh, if, if you've been following my timeline, uh, for any amount of time, you'll probably have seen someone who like screenshot Talmudist in my bio and think that they've just like done a, a victory lap or something. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's, it's it, usually followed by, what is it? A DJ Khaled gif of another, another one. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, uh, Steve, who, who asked the question earlier, he keeps a score on Twitter, so he's always tagging me every time I miss it. Uh, um, but yeah, it's it, it's great. No, it 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 really is. It's it's fantastic bait. Um, it's it's just like it is so good because like the types of people who would be mad at that are the types of people who can't control themselves uh, yes. about responding and yes. pointing it out. Uh, so it's very easy. It acts as a very nice filtering mechanism. Um, it really is quite good in that way. It, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's the kind of thing that kind of tells you like, is this person actually thinking or are they motivated by, are they motivated entirely by just like, anti-semitism is that like the whole core right. of their philosophy and exactly if they're screenshotting talmudist and sending it like it's a like it's a gotcha then yeah it's it's they're the latter <laughs> yeah yeah dude yeah uh it's no as so far as cool. my like as far as my religious beliefs um i've said in the past i'm agnostic and i know some people quibble with that term because agnosticism is about what you claim to know it's not really about what you believe so i get you know i don't use the term atheist but if someone said that about me i would be i wouldn't really object to that much yeah. but um the the whole yeah. agnosticism is atheism argument is fine fine yeah it's, <laughs> whatever yeah uh i i mean yeah yeah it, it, it's one of those things like i i guess you know 
whenever someone asks the question like, well, do you believe in God? Well, you know, I hate to be that person, but it really, 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 really does matter what you mean by that. What you, what you mean by yeah. God? Yeah. Um, like I, and I can't give, you know, a real dedicated, truthful answer or an answer. I, I I'm a hundred percent confident in unless I know what that means. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm fine with just like Gnostic or atheist, whatever. Yeah. That's the, that's an interesting thing. Let me ask you this. Did you grow mm-hmm. up with religion? Um, so my family is the type, uh, like non-denominational where like the type of where my family never went to church once, but they believe in, but they believe in God, right? They okay. believe it, like, they kind of like have this sort of like, uh, you know, you know how like uh, it, religion was more of a cultural belief type thing where it's like, it, it's kind of passed down, I think where like, you know, yeah, yeah, we believe in believe in God and, and, you know, things like that, but it was never really like instilled in the sense of, uh, we're going to go to church and pray and, you know, all, all this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I, uh, I, cause I, I just hadn't heard you talk about that before, but my, yeah. it's, oh, yeah. it's an interesting thing. Cause I have a similar sort of upbringing, except mine was more church based. Mine was more like mm. we would get up and go to church or there was a church that we went to that would stream in the mornings mm-hmm. on Sunday. And if we didn't feel like getting out of the house, we would watch the stream. Okay. Um, like it, it was like it, it, church yeah. was a part of it. Theology as a thing was a part of, mm-hmm. of me growing up. And in fact, we would have conversations about it. We would uh, sit around and talk about theology and, and what does the gospel say about this or right. that? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that, that was something that yeah. I did grow up with. I'm also an atheist. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> now uh, it, it's of no yeah. fault though. There, there's a certain kind of atheist that's really pissed off about the religious upbringing and they get pissed. They get huh. angry about it and they feel as if something was taken from it. I don't have any of those feelings. Um, right. Yeah. No, I, mine wasn't really like, I, like my, my family, bl- like believe in God, but it's not like a theological thing it is my, like it is in a technical sense, but like, it wasn't like, you know, we're going to sit down and, you know, read the gospel or things like that. You right, know, that right. It wasn't like much like that, but yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. But the, 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 it sounds very evangelical when I describe it, but really it was very nonjudgmental. There was, hmm. there was a lot of conversation of, that we would have about interpretation and just like reading the gospel. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? What does that mean? Um, the, it was, it was a very non-judgmental kind of situation. There wasn't a lot of, it was, there was no fire and brimstone to my religious upbringing at all. Right. No, like if you don't do this, you're going to burn for eternity in hell. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. There right. was, there wasn't really any of that. And so it's, it's one of those things that's, there was a, there's a particular, there's a guy named Andrew Farley. <laughs> And there's certain Christians who may have just heard that and got really angry. But um, Andrew Farley is a he works at Texas Tech. He's a a uh, scholar in Greek. He's a linguist, and he read the New Testament in Greek. Like he, he read the actual epistles in Greek, and he uh, wrote well, a book. That's commitment. Yeah, really. Um, he wrote a book called The Naked Gospel that is. Uh, very um v- it was very informative to my family and thus to the way that I was brought up in religion i I recommend it actually if you're interested in sort of a take on on Christianity mm. that doesn't have that fire and brimstone sort of aspect uh I think I've heard you mention that before yeah yeah it's a it's a great book i still I still enjoy it even though it, it doesn't really reflect my beliefs i I still enjoy mm-hmm. it as a as a piece of writing as a piece yeah. of uh as uh of uh um, 
theological writing. It's it's very very interesting, mm-hmm. and it's it's also not something I'm scared of anymore now, or not scared of now either. Uh, Lady Jane and I sat down and had a conversation just the other night about theology and sort of um, how Christian theology and, and Jewish uh, theology have. Uh, these similarities and and sort of the history that 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 intertwines them and it's a lot of mm-hmm. it's interesting stuff to think about even even though it doesn't really reflect yeah. what I believe anymore. Right. So um, yeah, it's a it's. I hadn't I hadn't heard uh, I hadn't heard you mention the sort of religious uh, re- whether there was any religiosity in your upbringing. I find that answer very interesting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's also like why I mentioned like it, it depends on like what someone means when they when they like say God is because like if someone were to make a case to me like using an Arist- Aristilian, um uh point where it's like, you know, talking about like an unmoved mover, right? Because when Aristotle is talking about an unmoved mover, um, there are certain if this is obviously, you know, this Aquinas picked this up and, and argued uh, for God about it. Like if what you're like when we if we like walk our way all the like in our minds, go back as far as possible in a logical chain. Right. Um, I see there are two possibilities. There's either um, infinite regression. Right. Or you have to stop somewhere. Right. Yeah. And something is just asserted as like a brute fact. Um, uh, for for Christian or for theist in general, God is the brute fact in yes. here, and He is the unmoved mover. But if you if you're just talking, if someone is when when someone is just using a general sense of God as the base layer, right? If you're saying God is what I define as God is the base layer of all reality, then yeah, I believe in a base layer of all reality too. So in that sense, I would believe in God. Sure, I I, I, I don't believe necessarily in a personal like an anthropomorphic um type of uh. Um, God that's like you know personal like has a personal connection necessarily and I think that's probably like how I would because I, I want to distinguish what I mean here yeah no I understand that entirely that makes perfect yeah. sense uh, you got uh, any of the other DMs? Uh, I have actually I have one more I have one more and I saved this for last intentionally because it's actually a pretty personal one and I wanted to give this like uh, room to breathe and kind of like have it have it be something this person wishes to remain anonymous so I respect that um uh, uh they uh they say i have been in a long distance relationship with someone from europe for a couple of years now um um oh wait i lost it sorry hold on that's my thing my 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 mouse scrolled up on its own i've been having issues with it sorry um <laughs> You're fine. i they, they i have been in a long distance relationship with someone from europe for a couple of years now we were going to meet and then covid happened and her mom got sick and recently oh, died oh no uh, yeah, she's been extremely depressed and won't get out of bed, won't text me for days or weeks. I love her, but I'm just anxious that she isn't texting me, uh, but once per weekish. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm very lonely. She's my best friend. Um, I don't know, guys, I'm having a, a panic attack every other night. I can't help her. I can't do anything. Uh, what the fuck do I do? Um, so I wanted to save this for last because this is a very important and personal that question is, yeah. that I wanted to give it, like, you know, us kind of its own separate. Um, space um yeah dude that i first off that's very rough like that's awful um, that sucks i hate to hear that yeah uh I, so i it, i do want to preface this by saying it it's hard for me to give a conclusive answer because i i don't know the person right because like you know everyone like grieves differently you know what i mean yeah um so like some people 
uh, you know, I, I don't know how she re- would respond to like being texted, uh, you know, a lot during this time or not. But at least if if I was going through a similar situation, um, even if I didn't respond. So just because she's not responding, it doesn't mean like, you know, um, th- you shouldn't read too much into that personally, in in my opinion. Uh, especially it, it could just be the especially case. if she's grieving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it could just be the case. It's not that, you know she doesn't care that you text her. It probably, it might very well mean a lot to her that you did, but she just doesn't have enough, um, you know, strength or motivation to just to like, you know, text back. Um, and you know, like I, I would just like keep, keep texting and saying, Hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm just here for you as, as a friend or, you know, uh, whatever. Um, and I, I really think that she, she'll probably appreciate that. Again, I can't, if I'm wrong, I apologize, uh, because I don't know this person. I don't know how they would react to that. Yeah. But at least, that's at least how I would react. I would be very, you know, if I was going to that, I'd be very like, um, grateful for people who reached out, even if I couldn't respond back. So I, I think that, I, I think, you know, um, outside of, you know, taking a trip to Europe or something and like, uh, checking in on her, I think, you know, continuing to like, just make yourself known, just saying, Hey, I'm here, you know, uh, um, and just things like that, just being like, just extremely considerate and just, yeah, just don't, don't take it personal just because, you know, you have, yes. you barely get a response. I think that's that. the, yeah. I think that is probably the most important thing is do not take it personally. Um, yes. cause I, 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 I do not, we're dealing with limited information and with no right. knowledge of who this person is. Uh, so, you know, everything, everything's grain of salt, but I know when I was dealing with, with bouts of major depression, nothing was going to get me out of bed. Nothing. Yeah. It, it did not fucking and, matter who or what it was. Nothing was going to get me out of bed. Yeah. So and often, like, it's not, sorry, it's nothing personal. I was just saying it's nothing personal against the people who tried. It's just, it, there's, uh, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just right. wasn't going to happen. So if that's the kind of situation that's going on, a, a person kind of needs support in that. And, and just to know that you're there, but I would, I would caution this. And this is the, this, that is the, that is the, the hopeful sort of, sort of, this is in a perfect world. This, this would work on this basis, sort of part of that. I would feel remiss and to a certain extent irresponsible if I didn't also say, be very mindful that you are not um be very mindful that you are not being uh i don't want to say taken advantage of just be mindful of how you feel about it because if it is a situation where you are um, dealing with something that you feel you need help with as far as like, I, I know it, uh, just, uh, let me, let me just put it this way and I'll, and I'll turn it on myself. Cause maybe I'm an asshole and then it's me. Um, if it were me in that kind of situation, I would have, I would feel the need to say, I need your help with this. I need, I need you to help me help you with this because this is not something that, um, 
It's obviously not something you can handle on your own, and you shouldn't have to. Uh, but it's, I also can't do anything for you uh, without your assistance. And so, I know for me, I would need to have some kind of feedback. I would need to have some kind of assurance that I'm not just sitting here wasting my time. You know what I mean? Um, I would need that personally. Now, again, maybe I'm an asshole. I don't know. But I, I would be mindful of your own feelings about things and, and how that kind of develops as well. I would also say, um, I think that, um, like, at least, like, if, if I've, like, if, when I've had, like, depressive, depressive episodes in the past, oftentimes, sometimes I would not, I, w- I would intentionally, like, not want to, to associate with other not people. Not get assistance. Just because I didn't not want to talk to people. Not be a burden. Right. Right, exactly. Not be yep. a burden. So it all—that's also another reason why uh, you know it—you it, shouldn't take it personally because it, it could be both. Um, it could be both that she's uh, you know she just doesn't have the energy to, but it also could be that you know she just doesn't want to dr- be a drag. Uh, you yes. know what I mean? That yes, type of there thing is too. A, that I, is a, a, that is a major motivation for people who are in a depressive episode to to isolate. Is I don't want to be yes. a problem for everyone else. And it, it it's still nice to like wait, to like get those hey are you okay that thing so that's why I wouldn't you know uh, that's why I would personally say yeah I don't think there's you know I don't know her so I I can't I, I can't say with authority this is the right thing to do but I can say that you know if you feel uh, at least in most cases I, I can only speak for my own self I would feel uh, you know. I would appreciate, you know, getting those messages, yep. but I would also feel bad. I, I would feel bad because it's like, I don't want to respond because I don't want to be a drag. So just because she's not responding, that doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, it's anything you did. You know what no, I mean? So yeah, don't, it's not, don't immediately it's not a personal direct thing. it at yourself. It's yeah, not a personal yeah. thing. A, a, a person right. who's going through that, they, they do not mean to hurt your feelings by cutting you out. They think they're doing right. you a favor a lot of the time. Yes, that, that's absolutely correct. And yeah. and so you, yeah, that's it's important to kind of understand that perspective of it. If if again, if that applies, I I, I can only speak from my own experience yeah. on that kind We're of thing. Limited information. Yeah. Yes, but but <clears throat> just like that, yeah, the, the, a person in that situation needs support more than anything else. And um, it's I I think that's sort of uh the best thing you could possibly do. In fact, it's probably the only thing you can do. Yeah. Um, is is to just be as supportive as you possibly can that, in yeah, that situation. That's, that's, right. Like, uh, I, I know it sucks, right? Because it's like I, I've been there where, like, you know, uh, I'm I'm very much I, I am all type of person, like, uh, and, and this is just a, a me thing. It, it's it's something like my brain does. It's a fault. Uh, where it's like sometimes I worry that you know if someone doesn't you know uh, text back or something uh, that I've done I've done something wrong or something you know what I mean like that that's just like an intrusive thought that will enter my sometimes um, yes so it's I, I I completely understand like that type of mindset that type of thought process um, but again Occam's razor it's probably not anything you did. Uh, you know what I, I mean? I would go so far as to say, if, <laughs> yeah, if all of this is occurring not. and this is a depressive yeah. episode, it is absolutely nothing you did. It has yeah. nothing to do with you as far as, as far right. as all that goes. Um, right, exactly. So nothing at yeah, all. I would just say, I would just say, you know, uh, outside of being able to physically do anything uh, to help 
um, just stay in touch with her and just say, hey, I'm here. Yeah, I know yes. you're going through it. Um, if you ever want to talk, uh, you know, please, please do. Oh, I should say another reason that I say to be mindful of how you feel about it is this. Um, and I, and again, this is kind of, this is one of those things that it's a trap that people can fall into, but it, it may not be applicable here. I don't know. It's just something to be aware of. Um, if you're in that position where all you can do is be supportive and it's very easy in that situation to become frustrated and it's very easy to allow that frustration, um, not even necessarily with the other person, but just with the situation to cause a sort of mounting resentment that will build before you even realize it's there. Right. Don't, don't go in like, and may, I, I hope I'm not like uh, stepping over your your point here, but I uh, like I, I would just yeah I, I would hopefully piggyback off then saying don't go in with the expectation that she's going to respond. Just put it out there for its own sake. Yes. Just say hey, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. Here. It's a it's a line you're keeping out there. It's not it's yeah. not something that's going to. This is the that's the thing is you can if your if your expectation is that this um <clears throat> if your expectation is that this just kind of goes away and then everything's back to normal and stuff like that. It's, it's very possible that you could find yourself uh, frustrated and resentful. Mm-hmm. And that's right. the kind of thing that you really can't get over. So even if there was a situation where you like things did end up working out. Okay. And you have that seed of resentment, that little ball of resentment, that's going to cause problems. So mm-hmm. you, you have to kind of moderate your own, I don't want to say investment because it's very invested, but you, you, you have to kind of moderate what you're expecting to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the added complexity of it being a long distance relationship, I don't have any, I don't think long distance relationships are intrinsically bad. I think they're intrinsically tricky and it's, it can be very difficult to maintain, especially if you have a situation like this where one person is, is in, is in a depressive episode where they can't mm-hmm. really communicate. Um, it's, it's incredibly tricky. And so uh, just, again, I, I, I can't really, um, all you can do is be supportive. All you can do is keep that line out there. That's really all you've got. Um, and so outside of that, don't be a martyr. Don't lose sight of how you're feeling about things. And if you feel the need to communicate those, communicate them. Don't don't let that shit ball up and 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 bother you because that's not going to go well. So just be mindful of how you feel about things. Be mindful of your own of your own headspace and your own mentality, because if you're not, you'll get swept up into you'll get swept up into some really confusing and, and hard to deal with emotions. If you don't keep a, keep an eye on how you're feeling about all this. And, and again, if you need to communicate those things, communicate them. Um, because God, it can just, if you try to be a martyr, if you try to carry it all, it, it, it's just, it, it's so much more likely to blow up if you do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's. I I really I I really think it's important the 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 self care aspect of this as trite as that is is a very important aspect of this. Um, yeah, yeah, I think most importantly, just 
like no it's not your fault yes um and like proceed from there like pulled the line out to her without yep. expectation that or without like you know an expectation that oh she's going to respond now and things are going to be okay like you know people who've gone who go through depressive episodes sometimes you know everyone's different sometimes it can take a really long time to get out of that mental fuzz that fuzzy mental headspace yes um, yes it can be very difficult so, but it no, is absolutely it, it, nothing no, you did. and yeah. there's no need for the amount of anxiety you're having about it uh, I understand that it is anxiety inducing. I'm not saying you're wrong to have the amount of anxiety that you're having about it, but I will say mm-hmm. if it's causing you this much turmoil, um, that's, I mean, here's the thing. If it's causing you this much turmoil, that's your responsibility to deal with that turmoil in a healthy way and, and not to let it eat you up, not to let it, throw you not to let it toss you around the way that uh, you communicated it seems that that you communicated it has been um because frankly uh at the end of the day you're not going to be much help to her if yeah if you're it's, being tossed around by this anxiety all the time so you got to deal with that yourself it, there's you know I don't want to make this uh, come across as if, well, you know, uh, we're just helpless in these situations. But the, you, it's important to recognize that there is a limit to what you can do. Yes. Um, and to understand that uh, sometimes the most you can do uh, is just to reach out and just to be there. But if, you know, it's not you can do that. And sometimes, you know, you may not get the results immediately that you want, but it's not your fault. Like, there's nothing you did that was wrong. Nothing about this is on you. Nothing about yeah. this is on... The only aspect of it that is your responsibility, that is on you, really, truly, is your response to it. That's that's it. And yeah. if that includes having panic attacks every other day and stuff like that, you gotta get a handle on that. That's, that, is, that is something that is your responsibility. And that is no way to right. live. That's, that's only gonna cause you problems, and it's, it's, it's no way to live. And I think you're somebody not, who it, has anxiety. Like it's, I understand, right, yes. but you owe it to yourself to figure that part out for yourself. And, and you're not, and it, as you said, Dean, you, you, you know, you're not wrong feeling that way. I'd be feeling that way if I was. Absolutely. Uh, so it's not like, you know, I, I, yeah, you're not wrong feeling that way, but it is, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, uh, be a help to her, then, you know, you also have to care for yourself a little bit too. Yes, absolutely. That's something that you've, you've got to, uh, Man, I hate to hear of somebody being that anxious all the time. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a very hard way to live. I've lived that way. It's very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's near impossible. Yeah. Yeah. So take care of, take care of yourself in that way. Um, yeah. And that you will find that that will make you more effective with helping other people. Um, yes. Not just, not just her, especially, I mean, yes, especially her, but not just her. I mean, other people generally, right. you will be a, you will be a much, you'll be more of a blessing to others if you take care of yourself in that way. So I, I really suggest trying to get a handle on that as well. That's that's a very important yeah. thing. Even if even if none of the other advice we've given is applicable, that I think certainly is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I'm not going to say their name because they want to be anonymous. But thank you so much for sending this. This is uh, this is a very personal topic. And it's thank very you for, like, it, uh, it's very meaningful. It's very meaningful that you would trust us to ask that. Um, yeah, that, 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 that is, uh, that's, that's very humbling and very meaningful that you felt comfortable with us to ask that question. Yep. 
Um, man, all of these questions are very much appreciated. Um, yes. There have been, there were, just like that, there were several that were very fun. There were several that were incredibly thought provoking. And mm-hmm. uh, Steve should be happy. This one broke three hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll have to do this again at some point. Yeah, yeah. Because this was very, very fun. I had a lot of fun. You know, what's one of the things that's fun about it is other people getting to bring the stuff that they think about to the table. Like, right. Exactly. That's, that is incredibly fun. Right. Uh, and very fulfilling as well. Yes. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for sending in your questions. Yes. Thank you all very much. Um, that is that. I think that's it. Do you have anything else, Ace? I think no. That's that's the episode. Um, I guess plugs. You can find me at um, Ace underscore Arcus on Twitter. Ace Arcus dot Blue Sky. Um, Ace uh, or yeah, Ace Arcus dot Substack dot com. Those are my. Excellent. Uh, and I am pacing Joska on Twitter. J O U S K A. And uh, that's that's the episode. Thank you all so much for your questions. Thank you for being part of this. <laughs> Later, guys. Have a good one. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of The End Times Continue. For links and other information, come see us at TETC.show.